Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Sea Report, coming to you live on this uh, Monday, August 16th, 2021. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, we are already halfway through the month of August, and um, I'm telling you guys, this year is going to end quickly, as they say. Uh, but anyhow, I hope everyone's doing good out there in the interwebs. We are live today on the Foxhole app, as well as uh, the Twitch and the Trovo. Pronouns, uh, uh, yeah, uh, how's it going, Aurelius Locke? <laughs> Hope everyone's doing well out there. All right, guys. Uh, all right. So I hope everyone had a great weekend. I know I did. I, you know, it was a pretty, pretty interesting week. It was a mm, sobering is not the right word, but you guys would have to have seen uh, the uh, the weekend programs to know exactly what I mean by that. But uh, we had a pretty delicious weekend, I guess you could say. We were we were a little bit all over the place here. Uh, but yeah, we have a great show for you guys tonight. Um, uh, we are actually going to be talking about all of this Afghanistan hubbub, uh, since, uh, you know, that seems to be something that's becoming extremely relevant at this point in time. And it's not something that we're going to, uh, relegate to our international episode. There's, uh, very, very much so several United States ties that would directly affect us and other things in the political landscape here in the United States of America uh, that I think uh, I think that we most definitely should be paying attention to. So we will also be uh, taking care of that as well. Uh, and well, we have who's in the audience right now? Aurelius Luck and also Rapture Ready. Hello, hello. Hey, Rapture Ready. Um, welcome to the Sea Chats. I don't think I've seen you here before, if, at least not by that name. And watch last night. Uh, you must be speaking in reference to the speak uneasies. <laughs> oh, if you, any of you guys do or do not know about the speak uneasy, I would recommend that you guys check out his show. Um, uh, uh, who's live now? Aurelius Locke. Are you talking about? Uh, are you talking about Mike Lindell or the speak uneasy? <laughs> Anyways, I'm not sure what uh, what Mike Lindell uh, stuff you are talking about. So please do explain um, if he has something going on. Was it like over on frankspeech.com? As far as any other information goes, I could probably figure that out real quick. But yeah, uh, you know, I really want to uh, we're, we're really going to focus a bit on Afghanistan today because, you know, when it comes to uh, when it comes to that, uh, inter when it comes to the geopolitical, uh, historical and all that other stuff uh, that uh, we're talking about when we're talking about uh, other world powers and how um, America plays into that, I'm telling you guys, like it can be a head swirl. Uh, you really have to have a handle on that. I'm not saying I have a handle on it by any ways, but just on some of the uh, the patterns and some of the other things that uh, uh, you see throughout the history, how our country is involved with other things, uh, whether it be by three-letter agency or whether it be by presidential decree, um, you know, because uh, it's usually not an act of Congress that gets us involved in some of this stuff. Um, but yes, uh uh, very, uh, I find it to be very interesting. So we're going to take a look at Afghanistan. Sorry, my contact is just super dry right now. Um, but uh, we're going to take a look at Afghanistan today uh, because as you guys know, basically uh, the United States Afghanistan thing, it's basically collapsed. Uh, you know, the Taliban has come out and taken a hold 
of everything uh, that's going on. It's it's really interesting, guys, to me, um, especially when you look at the history of it all. Uh, and there's quite some history to it, guys. This has not just been a 20-year war uh, between uh, the United States and Afghanistan by any means, guys. It's, it's pushing more like 40 years. So we're actually going to talk about some of that tonight and take a look at it as well. And then uh, we're also going to talk about uh, the 25th Amendment rising. We got uh, some interesting clips on that for you guys. I'm sure you guys have all heard about it. And, uh, you know, maybe this is the moment that we've been waiting for. Now, the question here is, guys, is it the moment that we've been waiting for? Or is it the moment that they've been waiting for uh, to implement whatever changes in this current junta that is controlling the United States of America via one illegitimate president named Pedo Slow Joe Biden? Um, and, uh, you know, cause he's definitely falling off his rocker. I mean, I don't need to report that here at this show for you guys to know that it's rather obvious. We've seen him falling off his rocker and up the stairs, you know, for months, even prior to his, uh, supposed election. Um, so, uh, we'll take a look a little bit about that as well. And then finally, we'll wrap up the night talking a little bit about this DHS declaration of Patriot terrorist threats, which I find very interesting. Now, if anything, that was the talk of the town over the weekend. Uh, that seems to be the thing that everyone is focusing on and with 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 just cause as well. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit and see where that might go. It's going to be a very, very interesting show, I think, for you guys. We're going to have three solid touch points for tonight. That'll be the sum of our report today, as opposed to like really scouring into the headlines. Uh, we'll probably do a headline show tomorrow. Uh, but for tonight, we're going to give you the breakdown on Afghanistan and how all of that affects the last two uh, points for today, which includes the 25th Amendment, as well as the Declaration of Terrorism for Patriots by the Department of Homeland Security. So, uh, yes, and we'll get into that. Let me see what you guys, you guys are chatting up in the... Uh, in the chat room today. Yes. Uh, so yes, Rapture Eddie had mentioned uh, last night's show. Um, uh, curious to know what you thought, actually. I, I mean, I'll be 100% honest with you guys, and I'm not really going to get into it because I enjoyed the conversation with all parties. Um, and uh, uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, it was it was one of those days, you know, <laughs> It was one of those days and it was a great weekend to be sober. <laughs> Let me tell you what, because, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, I uh, that pretty, that probably sounds really bad saying that on this show. <laughs> uh, all the people in podcast center be like, what, Mr. C, you got a problem or something? No, it's I mean, you know, we we do these uh, we do these things, uh, you know, at, at whatever level we see fit. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, fun to have a nightcap while you're doing a night show. That's usually when I might have uh, I might have a seltzer or something like that um, uh, during the night shows. But, you know, this weekend I opted not to, uh, you know, trying to cleanse out the kidneys and the liver, you know, just trying to do some good for my body so it doesn't, you know, dislike me so much. And, uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, I mean, I just, wow. The, the the clarity of the world when one is not on, you know, some sort of uh, some sort of um, I don't know what you want to call it. You know what I mean, guys. You know what I mean. When you're not on some sort of uh, 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 thing that makes you like, you know, woo. 
<laughs> anyways okay so yeah uh but but overall i would say overall you know um hurt feelings uh misunderstandings and uh, uh negative energy aside uh, I thought it was a very uh, engaging conversation. Um, and I thought on both ends of the spectrum, you know, that it, it provided a lot of information and points of view. Um, where people want to take those points of view personally is totally up to them. Um, but I know that I enjoyed the entire conversation that I was there. Um, and uh, I don't know, uh, it was, I mean, you guys should go check it out. It's like a five or six hour episode over at the Speak Uneasy. He had a, he had a dynamic and bomb interview. And I don't mean it bombed. I mean, it was, it was a bomb of an interview. Like it was a good interview uh, that uh, Mr. Speak had with his... Um, <laughs> that Mr. Speak, uh, the Mr. Speak Uneasy, uh, had with uh, with his guest, who's also, um, uh, I believe he mentioned is, uh, I guess would be like kind of one of his spiritual mentors, uh, someone that uh, that he's uh, he's been in contact with and, and personally involved with for quite some time. It was a really good interview. It was a great interview. It was great conversation, and it was for me, it was it was very pleasant to be in the presence of such uh, such individuals, um, uh, you know, nice people. Uh, so yeah, it was very good. Uh, I saw, I see you there. I see you there, Aurelius Locke. Actually, I kind of like that. Um, Aurelius Locke, I'll be 100 with you because uh, Aurelius Locke put in the chat, the lush report with Mr. C. I actually had, had and or have an idea I mean, I know what it would be called. I mean, I already have the title of what this show would be called, but I really thought about doing a show where, you know, we have a drink in hand on camera, on the screen, you know, like it's no, it's no mystery that yes, during the show, we will be having a drink, but I would need a co-host for that. Um, I actually, I actually did film two episodes of this show but that co-host will not be a part of this show at this point. Um, and that's fine with me. <laughs> and that's fine with me. So if any of you guys want to talk shop politics and America with a drink in hand once a week, let me know. And maybe we can develop this idea that I already have the concept ready and down for, um, you know, but, you know, like uh, when we're talking about the C report, I try and be a straight shooter, you know, and uh, but when we're talking about like Mr. C in the dark, I might be apt to have a seltzer or two and uh, you know, no apologies either guys. Cause I, I think I maintain my, my, uh, my composure pretty well in those situations. I don't go off my rocker and uh, you can't tell that my eye anyways. Okay. <laughs> so I try and I try and maintain some, uh, some modicum of uh, sanctity. Uh, Aurelius Locke, no Aurelius, because, oh, well, you know, I guess kind of that could be that. I guess you could kind of say that. I mean, I mean, um, I guess you could kind of say that. Fine. Taking all the fun out of it, Aurelius. <laughs> Aurelius is like, Mr. C, you already have two shows where you do that. <laughs> you don't need a third one. <laughs> no, the difference here is the third one would be during the daytime. Ah, not in the dark. We're talking like maybe a Sunday fun day or something like that. Anyways. <laughs> oh, you guys are so awesome. Okay. So let's see what else we got going. Oh, so Aurelius did say that uh, Mike Lindell was doing, um, uh, oh, okay. Okay. So is that, is that live? Like he's actually broadcasting that live right now because I heard that Mike Lindell had already spoken about all the infiltrator stuff you're talking about during the cyber symposium, right? 
I heard he already disclosed everything that happened. Um, are they doing a replay? Are they? Is he, is this really live? Like, if they're playing it over there at uh, that other station, who did you say it was at? Um, Patriot News. Oh yeah, he's live. I think is this live? He's live. Look at check it out, guys. Recordings from what, he had a call in here. <laughs> It froze at the perfect moment. He's got <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Lindell. I did not. I didn't do that to you. <laughs> Look at this. Well, the truth. Well, the truth is, Sean, we had a cyber symposium. And the truth is, it was attacked and hacked by like a Josh Merritt. And, and the truth is, you're not saying anything on your show. Neither are you, Laura. Trucker tried a few times to talk about the 2020 election. I give him some credit. Wowzers. You know, maybe I thought that might be a breakthrough. It was a couple weeks ago, but none of them were talking. What is Fox doing to you? Are you guys so, you're so worried about your money? I'll pour you. You're so worried about your money and your job. You know what? Tina Peters here, she's left. She's a hero. She can't, she, she's hit. We have her hit, hit out right now because she's got evidence in Dominion, what they've done. She has hundred. We have hundred percent proof what Dominion's done. Take out, and then now the Secretary Wowzers, of State guys. of Colorado is attacking. Wowzers! There's a raid, a raid on her on her office. I don't know. Another he's guy putting, gets raided he's, with he's, he's putting people in their spot. She's going to stand up. Okay, that's where everyone is right now. <laughs> Everyone's watching uh, Lindell. He is on fire. Look at him. I wish I had a graphic that was like like an explosion. Speak up. At least why don't you get on there and say, Mike, the cr the crazy pillow guy, called us out on national TV. Why don't you do that, you four? At least that'd be telling something. Right? That's what shame I was saying, okay? That's what I was saying. I was like, why isn't even the Epoch Times? They did not report on the cyber symposium at all. Like, not even to just say that it was happening, okay? Like, they did not say anything at all about it. Breitbart, nothing. Epoch Times, nothing. National File had some stuff. Gateway Pundit, of course, covered it. Um, Western Journal, nothing. Uh, yeah, interesting, interesting. Fox, did Fox cover it? I don't think that they did. I mean, we know that they wouldn't anyways. Or no, they did, didn't they? Because they got sued again. No, no, no. It was OAN and uh, and uh, News Mask that got sued. Wowzers, guys. I did not even know this was going on. So uh, that's pretty... Thank you, Aurelius, for that. And... Uh... <laughs> That's insane. Very cool. I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, you brought that up, Aurelius, because I had no idea this was. That's going why on. I had to use. Hey, Mr. Lindell, please, my ears. <laughs> okay. Well. Oh man. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to scoop that up. Maybe in the next episode or two. Maybe by tomorrow, we'll see what's up. Because I didn't know that uh, Mr. Lindell was uh, was being a fireball tonight. Wowzers. That's cool. I mean, that needed to be said, by the way. That really needed to be said. Um, so interesting. Interesting that. Interesting that. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, what else is going on in here? Uh, I thought you brought great. Oh, okay. So, oh, well, let me let me jump back into the chats real quick, and then we'll get on with the report for today. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, Rapture already said, I thought you brought great levity, but I also heard your candidness concerning candidness concerning beliefs. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, guys, like I got to say, uh, uh, just a little apprehensive because I don't I don't want to lose the respect of people just because my opinion's different. And you know, maybe that might be um, I don't want to seem like I, I would doubt people. 
you know, or, or even assume that or, or make a presumption. Uh, but it's just, you know, uh, I've always been the oddball or I've always been the person that's not with the pack, you know, uh, so to speak, so to say. So I'm kind of used to that. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, from being a gay Trump supporter, you know, to being uh, just totally of a different mind when it comes to spirituality and, and other things in life. I've never been a top 40s kind of person, you know, so um, yeah, sometimes I get a little PTSD, but I need to I need to have faith in my my fellow man more than that. And uh, and not not uh, inadvertently insult, insult other people's uh, good spirit uh, and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, I, be, I was being very candid, like uh, it's the first time I'd really said something like that uh, online here, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it was a great conversation and I just appreciated that the speak and easy had that, uh, platform open for us to talk about those different ideas. Um, and I will take that night as that I'll take last night as that I will take it as a win for, uh, you know, for being able to engage in those types of discussions, uh, without, you know, uh, well, at least for me, there was no repercussion. Um, but, uh, yeah. And yeah, I would recommend it guys. Um, I would recommend it. I mean, it, I mean, I don't know how other people will take it. Um, um, but you know, I, I also, you know, uh, you know, my heart goes out to everyone that was in that, especially the speak it easy, because, you know, like that was, uh, that's, that's one of those episodes where like, you're like, dang, like, you don't know what, you, you know, what is happening <laughs> And, and, you know, and that's why whenever I talk with Mr. Speak and whenever we talk about our shows and panels, like we're both kind of of the same mind where we would rather keep our panel, like if we have guests on to like three, four max. And personally, I would only have, I, I prefer to only have three people on the panel, myself and two other guests, anything other than that. And it's just, to me, it becomes a wash because I, and I really want to hear the points of view of the people that come on the show. So I prefer no more than, than three on screen, including myself at the same time, you know, because that way people's ideas can breathe, you know, and, uh, uh, but then people kind of get like upset uh, and, and maybe I'm being presumptuous, but some people will kind of be like, well, I, I want to go on too, or, you know, and, and sometimes I have people waiting to get on the screen uh, for like 10, 15, I think, you know, some have waited even longer than that, but maybe I should put out like a, maybe I should put out a disclaimer uh, two people at a time. <laughs> Other than that, if you get in, you may be waiting for a while and that's fine if they want to wait. I don't mind that at all either if they don't mind. Uh, but otherwise, you know, um, that's just the way it's going to work. And maybe, maybe then we'll do a, we'll do a Mr. C free for all where we can get like 10 people on the screen. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know, guys, I don't know where that could go. Uh, Disco Daphne says, take charge, Mr. C. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, um, when it comes to some guests, I mean, I got to say when it comes to the guests, uh, uh, I prefer them to be themselves and I will let them show who they are and I'll just take a back seat because I talk for like what, 
two or three hours a day sometimes, Monday through Friday. So sometimes I'm happy to allow the guests to let them speak their mind with, uh, and I, and I might take a back seat, but you know what? Hey, like, uh, I don't even, some, some of the guests, I don't even have to ask, you know, them to show people who they are. They just do it right there for them. Uh, the weekend shows were great, Mr. C. I was going to join in, but was happy just listening. That's cool, Aurelius. You know, Aurelius, you know, we can get you on again. Uh, just, you know, let me know whenever you want to pop in. Uh, like for uh, this upcoming weekend, I don't have anyone scheduled to appear. Uh, Book Nook will be coming on. I got with Book Nook. Um, she will be coming on. So uh, we'll, I'm, I, maybe I'll get her on on Friday or Saturday. I'll ask what days are good for her. And then we'll see what's up with that. Um, if I have a guest who's scheduled, uh, I would prefer to spend some time with them, you know, to pick their brains. If it's an open forum, then anyone can come on in, but up to two, you know, um, besides myself, uh, two others at least. Uh, so we can kind of just, you know, shoot it and like talk about things. We can talk about headlines. But if I have a pre-scheduled guest, I like to take some time, at least the first hour to like kind of talk with them about stuff and, and do things like that. So uh, that that's all good and fun, you know, all good and fun. And I'm glad that you guys enjoy the conversations. You know, we had some pretty, I mean, uh, was it with Belushi? That was a very deep conversation the first hour after that, you know, <laughs> It was kind of a wash. Uh, and then um, let me see what Friday was great conversation uh, with DSN and, and Belush popped in and the Texan. Oh, my goodness, man. Anyways, guys, we're talking too much about other things right now. Uh, let me let me finish saying what's up into the chat. Ohio Kimmy, buenas noches or buenas tardes. Oh, for you, I guess it would be noche. Uh, it's tardes still, I guess, right? The sun's not quite. Is, it, is the sun quite down over there in Ohio? Uh, thank you for gifting the cookie. I appreciate you, ma'am, for the support here at the C Report or the C Chats or the Mr. C Channel, however you want to call it. Um, let's see here. And then, uh, hey, Pilled by the Rabbit, how you doing? Good evening, sir. Have a good evening. Have a good evening. Uh, AP. Good evening. How are you doing, sir, as well? Deborah Erdman, good to see you, ma'am, in the chats. I said hello to you, Miss Disco Daphne, for the comment. And then uh, let's see who we had also here. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, da, 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 da. Hey, Belushi, what's up? Thank you for gifting the cookie. And Rapture Ready, thank you for gifting the can. Yeah, Friday was a pretty solid show. And uh, I mean, dude, like I was I mean, I'm not afraid to admit it. I was way out of my depth when we were uh, whenever uh, uh, DSN was talking about. Yeah, you know, like about, you know, the, the topics. I mean, like uh, we're talking about naval like commanders and, and you know, navigators and all this stuff. Um, I was like, whoa, like, you know, um, uh, because, you know, we, we hear all of this information uh, and then, you know, like um, uh, some of this stuff happens so long ago. Uh, I'm aware of it, but, you know, I might not know all the detail. I'm glad for those out there who still have that. Uh, who still have that uh, that memory, you know, and that's kind of what I rely on to run my reports here as well is, you know, um, uh, just like, you know, years of like, you know, hearing the stories, running through it, doing research, you know, and like even like something like tonight when we're talking about like Afghanistan, you know, it, we don't real well, some of us realize that there's a there's a lot more going on there, uh, especially when we're talking about that it has not just been the United States and Afghanistan for 20 years, it's been more like 40 years, okay? And so there's a lot more history. And then you have to consider all of that, you know, you have to consider all of that and then kind of like focus on what's going on today and figure out how that works, you know? And for me, it's just patterns 
And it's just, uh, it's just, you know, things that they've done over the course of history. It's knowing your history, basically, uh, and, and then seeing how, you know, our country or three letter agencies within our country have worked within, uh, within, um, you know, within that, that construct that they've created. Uh, and then all of that gets tossed out into the ether of, you know, media and propaganda. And then it's kind of like, dang, like, uh, where are we going to, where are we going to, where are we going to figure that out? What are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do? Anyhow, uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Uh, the good noche. Okay. It is noche. <laughs> it is noche up in Ohio. All right. Good to know, ma'am. Uh, hey, Texas gal. How's it going? You ain't that late. You ain't that late at all. We haven't started the report yet. We're kind of just chatting with the fam for a little bit before we get in underway. Uh, and uh, let's see. What, what did Miss Texas gal have to say? Been writing the pecan bottom. Good evening. What is the pecan bottom? You know, um, the first, uh, well, well, the house in which I lived when I was born, we had three pecan trees. I loved it because we could always go pick the pecans. We could eat the pecans. We could sell the pecans. People would come up to us and be like, can we buy your pecans? Or who go, can we go pick the pecans in your backyard? Uh, what was it? When I was on Loyal to the Foils show and she, uh, she was, it was, I think I was like one of the first that did that. All those like questions about like your, your, what house would you be? What tree would you be? All this stuff. My tree was the pecan tree. And when she asked me why, um, I said, because the pecan tree has a root system that goes down as deep as its length. That's why, I, <laughs> that's why I would be a pecan tree <laughs> because that is some pretty deep roots. If you know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, so, uh, CJM 61, the answer to your question is si senor. And that is a yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, feel free to ask. I'm, I'm an open book guys. Like I'm a very open book. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open to all my experiences and any experiences I don't want to share. All I can say is read the book. Okay. And that's not because I'm trying to make money off my life story. That's a ridiculous thing to think, but it's because, um, uh, because I write <laughs> anyways. Hey, speaking easy. How you doing, sir? Good evening. How are you doing? I hope you recovered well. <laughs> we were talking about you. I don't know if your ears are ringing or not, Mr. Speaking easy. Uh, but we were saying nothing but good things. I promise. Just check out the replay. Skeeter Burke, good to see you, ma'am. How are you doing today? Uh, good to see you in the chats again. I hope you're uh, doing well up there in the central TX region and uh, everything else. Um, uh, Ohio Kimmy, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I appreciate you, sweetie. But it's okay. I'm very open. I'm very, very open. I'm very, very open. Uh, yeah, well, I'll save that story for Mr. C in the Dark or something like that. <laughs> I've had some people that are just like, bam, but I, I also appreciate the honesty as long as the intent is not malign, but if the intent is malign, I mean, that's their energy, you know, like that's not, has nothing to do with me. So it's okay. Um, let's see here. What else do we got going on in the chats? Oh yeah. I like that. I like that. Uh, Aurelius Locke. Uh, he's a very happy person. Indeed I am. <laughs> Indeed, I am. Oh, Aurelius, though, real quick, um, you had said something about uh, something up here that caught my attention uh, when we were talking about my uh, my uh, my uh, the Lush Report show. <laughs> Let me see real quick. Uh, what was it again? Um, okay, so he said, Aurelius said, I'm down for that. A Saturday early evening deal. Heck yeah. Okay, the only condition, Aurelius Locke, is that if I have the show with the co-host, 
and we are both having a nice beverage, adult beverage, and we're talking, you know, we're, we're talking shop, we're talking about America and politics with an adult beverage on the air, right? During the day, <laughs> I would request that the co-host has to be on screen. And it's not because I have PTSD from a bunch of avatars. It's just because I think, you know, it's more, it's more, uh, not intimate, but it's more personal. It's more engaging when, you know, you can see, you know, the other people anyways. Okay. So let me see what else we got. But, but Hey Aurelius, you, I mean, if you really want to, if you really want to, I can, I can definitely work something into a Saturday schedule. It'll be Lone Star News, uh, the Lush Report with Mr. C and co-host and then Mr. C in the dark. You know, because I need to stay busy, guys, because if not, I get into trouble. <laughs> Let me tell you what I get into trouble. OK, I am no stranger to getting into trouble. Like, you know what they say about about idle hands, guys? Like it's it's always it's always there. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, let me see. Okay, so let me see here. Uh, what about the squirrels? Okay, I love pecans too, Skeeter Burke. In fact, I have some pecan pie in the fridge right now, and I'm probably going to have it after the show, after I smoke a cigarette. Okay, <laughs> so uh, let me see here. Um, uh, blah, 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 blah. This reminds me of World War One, World War II, World War Two. They were twenty years apart. Uh, if you're talking about Afghanistan, that is, uh, I would say that's a fair assessment. Although with Afghanistan, they were back to back. We're talking like seventy-eight to ninety-eight, and then like two thousand to two thousand twenty, right? So, like, yeah, I get you there, Mosquito Burke, on the comparison. But yeah, we're gonna talk. We're, we are gonna go into that today, just to give us like some context of what's happening right now in Afghanistan, and what the what the heck is the plan there? Like, you know, President Trump had his plan, and we'll talk about that too. I mean, he made a historic peace agreement between the Taliban and the current Afghan government. But then you have to think about the current Afghan government. Where do those fools come from, right? Because, uh, you know, like, uh, you'll see, guys. We're going to get into the history about it in just a second. Uh, we'll wrap this in just a second. I'm just uh, enjoying you guys and uh, having fun hanging out with y'all in the chat before we jump into today's report. Um, and then, yes, uh, let's see. <laughs> I saw something about underoos in there. Oh, you guys are talking too fast. Hold on. Let me okay. Let me uh, let me see. Uh, let me see what else we got going on here. Uh, oh, you got squirrels eating your pecans. Yeah, we used to have that too, uh, Tam girl. <laughs> we used to have that too. Uh, let me see here. Uh, da, 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 noche. Sometimes I get ahead of myself. Uh, okay, here we go. I'm caught up. Where are we at? Okay. Uh, pecans are my fave. Butter pecan ice cream. <laughs> like two scoops of butter pecan ice cream. I know someone's going to appreciate that out there. <laughs> that was from Ohio Kimmy. Okay. Uh, actually, I'm pretty burned out and sad today. Oh, the speaking easy. Dude, I apologize, but I was actually going to text you today and just check up on you. And the day got away from me. Um, I had, okay, because last night I told you guys like, Oh, was it? yeah, I had to go to bed. I had to go to bed because of a doctor's appointment. It wasn't for me, but we still had to be there. And then when we got to the doctor's appointment, it was like at eight in the morning. It was a bust because the the lady who scheduled us, like, it didn't even realize that they were closed on, like, I don't know, like the second Monday or something like that. And we were there and I was like, oh, and then I was like, well, I'm going to go back to bed because uh, I, I had a late night. And then uh, 
I get home and then I wake up and then it's, it, we go to the gym. It's to the gym we go and then and then to make an early dinner and then to put the C report together. And I'm glad I got the C report together. And let me tell you something, guys. Like, um, I don't know. I don't. I don't really have to go into that. But it's just you know the the workload and you know I just you know sometimes I wish I were more present for the family at the Foxhole app and I hope they don't take it a certain way. Uh, but I'm on the computer for like three or four hours prior to getting onto the C report, just putting the show together. And I know to some people that probably sounds very unrealistic. Um, but as I mean, I don't know, maybe my reports speak for themselves. I don't know. You guys tell me, uh, let me see here. Uh, day, uh, where are we at? And then, uh, Belushi, thank you again for the cookie. I love your spirit and energy, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate you very much for, uh, for the donation and for the kind words, sir. And better lately also, Hey, better lately gift in the cookie. Um, how you doing tonight, my friend? Um, speaking easy. I need some lifting, uh, uplifting giggles. I'll I'll try and provide that for you tonight, Mister Speaking Easy. <laughs> I'll try and provide you with those giggles. Um, there's over 50 pecan trees down there along the creek. Very peaceful and pretty. Oh, that's so cool. I would love to see that. Um, Pecan praline and ice and cream. Oh, like, yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, that's good stuff. You guys are talking my language right there. Um, <laughs> uh, love me some pecan. Yes, love some pecan pie. Uh, hey, C.L. Goober, how are you doing tonight? Hope you are doing well. Um, let's see. Oh, pecan cobbler. That sounds delicious. I don't think I've ever had that, actually. Um, Aurelius Locke, only in my Mr. C under ruse. Uh, you guys better not make fun of me or think I'm a totally narcissistic egoist if I make Mr. C under ruse. Okay. <laughs> and if I don't even sell a pair, no, just kidding. I just don't know what I'd put on them. <laughs> but you guys keep talking about Mr. C boxer shorts. I don't know about that. But anyways, okay. Uh, let me see. Um, oh, Texas gal, if you fell asleep around 930, you missed. No, actually you didn't. You did not miss. I mean the, okay. I was, I was in super stealth lurk mode last night and I was with, uh, the speak Easy from 7 PM when he was trying to get his guest on all the way until the close of the show. Um, uh, and I hope you don't mind that I was in super stealth mode, but I was like, I was like recuperating. <laughs> I needed to recuperate yesterday too. And I just needed to like, uh, stand down for a minute. And then, um, and I, I mean, uh, when you opened up the panel, uh, last night, speak uneasy, like, uh, I, I mean, I was already so inspired by what you and, and your guests were talking about yesterday. And I was like, I really feel uplifted. And, and, you know, I felt like if I got on and maybe this is selfish, I felt like if I got on, on the show with you, it would uplift me more. And actually it did in spite of, what, you know, what the outcome of the night was, um, I still, Mr. Speak Uneasy, I still think that that was a very vital episode. Uh, I think a lot of, a lot of good things were said, and I appreciate you for allowing us to have that platform to speak our minds and, 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 you know, to have that open forum of non-judgment, you know, and, and, you know, like you said, it's all about, it's all about sharing ideas and concepts and we are all still learning, you know, we are all still learning. And, uh, I really appreciate everyone who was on the panel last night, uh, every single one. 
And um, it was, it was, to me, it was a good night. Uh, how would they say it in Hollywood? That was good television. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying like, I mean, not to that, that's actually a little bit cynical, but like, no, it was, it was to me, that was a very, very engaging panel that you had last night, Mr. Speak and Easy. So props to you for opening up that door for us to, uh, to express ourselves. And uh, that's what we do here. And, uh, and I think that's a good example also about, about, you know, uh, about being able, uh, about us being able to share our ideas and still come together as a family and a community and still be in the same fight together and still be on the same team. Uh, so you guys go check out that replay. I would say watch it top to bottom so you can get all of the lead in. <laughs> oh my goodness. So speak. I hope you feel more recuperated by the, to the end of tonight. And, uh, and that your spirits are lifted. Indeed, my friend. Let me see what else we got in here. One Scott, what's going on, sir? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, let's see here. And what else we got? Zena. Hey, Mrs. Zena, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> Deborah Erdman says trouble is her first name. <laughs> well, trouble, Deborah. Uh, trouble, Deborah Erdman, how you doing tonight? Uh, let's see here. CJM61, I appreciate you, sir. Sean Joe, welcome into the C Chats, and thank you for gifting that cookie, my friend. Derailing, glad you made it. And let's see, Connie Ketchup, good evening, ma'am. How are you tonight? Welcome, welcome. <laughs> and then let's see here. Uh, perspective, the DMZ, I think we're coming to the end. Val Kimber. <laughs> good evening, Val Kimber. I thought Val Kimmer for some reason popped into my head. Is that intentional? Are you getting into my head, Val Kimber? Okay, and then who's this? Uh, Pharaoh Motokama. Uh, Pharaoh Motokama has dropped a link. I have important COVID vaccine information in the link. Okay, guys, so uh, if you want to check that out, actually, I will copy that link down as well because, like, whenever you guys drop in links for, like, vids or any good digs, I will most definitely check it out. And let me see, where'd you go? Well, I'll go back and grab it. I will go back. Hey, CJM, don't you even worry about it, dude. Like, that did not even cross my mind one iota. Not at all. No, there's no kind of feeling here on my part, dude. You're good. You're solid. Don't you worry about it, my friend. Don't you worry about it. Um, let's see here. What, what else is going on? Uh, Mr. C after dark underwear makes sense, says Belushi. Hey, Belushi, should I make them glow in the dark? Oh, I think that's what Aurelius said, right? <laughs> oh, Aurelius says that I should make them black with the Red Sea logo. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you guys are going to do the design for me. <laughs> I don't, knowing someone like me, I put my head on the crotch or on the butt, you know, like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> so anyways, you know, I probably, never mind, never mind, never, I like the glowing letters idea, though, like, right, like, <laughs> hey, Joyful June, hey, Service Dog Mom, what did you guys walk into, right, uh, okay, <laughs> okay, guys, I think, I think we should probably start getting into the report, <laughs> Uh, Mr. C, enough of my show. This is our show, sir. Uh, I'm here for your show. Oh, okay. Ah, uh, okay. Mr. I got you speak. I got you speak. Okay. Um, all right, guys. Let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, 
<laughs> that shirt early slock is going to have to be in the Belushi department. So I would definitely, that might be another idea for Belush uh, on top of his robot rants. Okay. Uh, and then, Hey, Texan, what's up, dude. And then, uh, and then, yeah, Aurelius already gave me an idea for my shirt. My first shirt's going to be keep that prick away from me. <laughs> I love it. Anyways, okay, guys. All right, let's go ahead and head into today's report. Uh, it's a fun time catching up with you guys. Uh, yeah, okay, 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 guys. <laughs> All right, y'all are too much fun. Hey, Deplora Laura, what's going on? Deplora Laura is visiting us from the Twitch. Uh, and she loved, it looks like you really enjoyed Saturday's show. I mean, let me tell you what, guys, like... Uh, you never know what you're going to expect here um, at the foxhole or at the sea report. And it's great because uh, we all have the ability to express ourselves. And that's what it's all about, y'all, with respect. All right, guys. So let's jump into today's sea report. Oh, you know what? I think I forgot to do. I think I forgot to pull up my the desk of President Trump graphic. What are we going to do here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You see, when I'm talking about getting the show together, got so many moving parts here. Okay. Desk of Trumpe <laughs> is what I put in there. But we have to have it if I'm going to do it. Let's see here. What can we... Oh, perfect. Here it is. All right. Let's get her on the screen. All right. From the desk of President Trump. As always, President Trump leads at the Sea Report. So we will uh, give you guys a quick rundown of his statements, as we always do and have done forever and eternity. Um, now, President Trump's statements uh, uh, for today are basically pretty much all surrounding uh, um, amongst the terms of the Afghanistan issue and then attacks on President Biden. And I wouldn't say like well-deserved well statements about President Biden and his regime, his junta, you know, that are currently uh, commandeering the United States of America from their faux fake White House lawn. Right. OK, so the first statement we have from President Trump is Joe Biden gets it wrong every time on foreign policy and many other issues. Everyone knew he could not handle the pressure. Even Obama, Secretary of Defense, Robert Gates said as much. He ran out of Afghanistan instead of following the plan our administration left for him, a plan that protected our people and our property and ensured the Taliban would never dream of taking our embassy or providing a base for new attacks against America. The withdrawal would be guided by the facts on the ground. After I took out ISIS, I established a credible deterrent. That deterrent is now gone. The Taliban no longer has fear or respect of America or America's power. What a disgrace it will be when the Taliban raises their flag over America's embassy in Kabul, this is complete failure through weakness, incompetence, and total strategic incoherence. Mm, I'm pretty sure you guys out there would also agree that, uh, you know, illegitimate Joe is pretty incoherent, right? Whether speaking or understanding. Um, now, uh, the, the uh, real quick reflection on this, guys, says a lot um, because President Trump had a plan, okay? And he had Taliban and the Afghan government sign a peace agreement. And the minute that President Trump 
stepped aside and illegitimate Joe came to the forefront, it was totally out the door because even the people, even Taliban said they would no longer come to peace, uh, peace talks or peace meetings between them and the Afghan government if President Trump wasn't there. Actually, okay, they didn't say if President Trump wasn't there, but they basically said once Biden came into illegitimate power that they would no longer have these peace talks because they knew that this strong arm, you know, he who commandeth respect through strength, President Trump was no longer there and they didn't have to. Okay, because again, there's so much going on with the history of where Afghanistan is today that uh, respective of that, People who are playing in that whole field right now kind of have to adhere to it. I mean, President Trump could say, look, this happened in 1978, you know, and this is why it led up to this. And they would have to agree with that. And, you know, when I'm talking about uh, the history of all of these geopolitics from the past, you know, and I just look at patterns because, you know, I don't have my history down as well. And, you know, you see kind of the game play that these people have. Like, you would have to be like, okay, well, what is really going on in Afghanistan? Like, you know, because as we'll cover the history in just a sec, but like, you know, you have coups, you have regime changes, you have CIA and America involved in it, you know, and all of that stuff. So like, if you go back through the last 40 years, because the war between the United States and Afghanistan has not been 20 years since 2001, since the, uh, since, uh, since 9-11, it's been 40 years, guys, it's been 20 plus years and what we are aware of in, in some fields or what we're told about or what we comprehend. Okay, so it's a lot bigger. Don't forget the CIA, the United States were involved in regime change in the 1970s throughout the Middle East in the 50s and 60s throughout South America and Central America. So there's a lot more to this picture than what, you know, MSM is talking about and other, you know, other uh, outlets and agencies are talking about. So I'm going to try and, 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 you know, I'm going to try and put my brain in your brain around that tonight uh, as we're talking about some of this stuff. So just some things to think about as we get into today's C-Report, because like I said, all of these statements coming from President Trump are focusing on, Afga- on Afghanistan and on, uh, you know, the lack of uh, the lack of leadership through the Biden administration and just how he's totally, totally, totally fouled up the situation. But I think there's something else to it, guys. You know, there. I mean, I think there's something else to it. You know, I think there's something else too. We talk about a plan to get Joe Biden out of uh, out of office. Remember when he was on stage and he was like, "I could come down with a virus, and then Kamala will be president." That's what I'm talking about, guys. Because everyone's talking about the 25th Amendment. It's right there. You see it right there. 25th Amendment rising. Okay. All right. So let's see here. Uh, What do we got next up here? Uh, Another statement from President Trump. What Joe Biden has done with Afghanistan is uh, is legendary. It's legs and hairy. It will go down as one of the greatest defeats in American history. And you have to consider that too, because I mean, outright, like what we declared war in 2001 at modern times or 2002 uh, with, uh, with uh, president Bush. Right. And, uh, and, 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 and I mean, literally, so, I mean, we've been occupying Afghanistan. It's been, it's been the deep States playground 
for like the last 20 years. I mean, everyone's been making money off of it, like throwing in their NGOs, throwing in their throwing in their contractors, throwing in their agencies, trying to get you remember, wasn't it during wasn't it during one of the uh wasn't it during one of the um the the uh what are they called again the covid 19 relief packages we had money going to uh the gulf of mexico to study the sexes of herrings in the ocean and we had money going to afghanistan to promote uh you know like transgender and, and gay theory and crap like that yeah guys it was a big money bag laundering crap for a lot of deep state cats and that's what i'm talking about so the, that's why i'm like this plan this plan is going a thousand directions wrong for illegitimate Joe, personally speaking. Like, uh, I mean, it's, it's, when you think about it, it's, it's, it's damn right almost intentional, which makes you wonder, you know, it makes you wonder. Okay, next statement from President Trump. It is time for Joe Biden to resign in disgrace for what he has allowed to happen to Afghanistan. Along with tremendous surge in COVID, the border catastrophe, the destruction of energy independence, and our crippled economy, it shouldn't be a big deal because he was not elected legitimately in the first place. More digs, more digs at uh, uh, illegitimate Joe. Next statement. First, Joe Biden surrendered to COVID, and it has come roaring back. Then he surrendered to the Taliban, who has quickly overtaken Afghanistan and destroyed competence in America and American power and influence. The outcome in Afghanistan, including the withdrawal, would have been totally different if the Trump administration had been in charge. Who or what will Joe Biden surrender to next? Someone should ask him if they can find him. <laughs> Oh, indeed. Who was it that kept saying it? Uh, God, there was one news outlet. It might have been Breitbart. It was Hayden Biden. Hayden Biden in his basement. Hayden Biden at Fort, what is it? Fort Bragg? Or I don't remember. Fort David? He was at some fort um, just sitting there in, in a photo op that was later on revealed to be like from March. <laughs> like, what were they doing? They were preparing for this in March, apparently, because apparently, according to this article I read about the time clocks on the wall, uh, they were in March when they took that picture of him hiding at Fort. I think it's Fort David. Uh, I, I don't quote me on that guys. The headlines out there somewhere, but, um, anyways, uh, it's one of the forts where, where, uh, you know, Hyden Biden goes to hide, you know, so interesting that. I mean, we have Biden Hyden. We have Saki on vacation. She's going to circle back right to her job. And Kamala Harris is just nowhere to be seen. <laughs> like, what the hell, Harris? Where the hell did you go? Uh, and she has a piece of the pie on this also, guys. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, next statement from President Trump. Can anyone even imagine taking out our military before evacuating civilians and others who have been good to our country and who should be allowed to seek refuge? In addition, these people left top flight and highly sophisticated equipment. Who can believe such incompetence? Under my administration, all civilians and equipment would have been removed. And that's another thing I'm talking about, guys. Like, I don't think that's incompetence. I don't think that's incompetence. But then again, we have to consider the history of what's going on in Afghanistan. But at the onset of this, I kind of felt like all of that was intentional. Leaving all of this equipment 
Uh, even the bombings that were happening prior to uh, the past couple of days where we're seeing the evacuations happening in mass, we're seeing people like desperately clinging to like flight and airplane landing gear and then falling from the sky. I think I saw a report that said three people at least fell from an airplane because they were desperately clinging uh, to the uh, to the equipment, the landing gear there. And my only thought was either it's uh, either it's deep state contractor uh, operatives who are like, we need to get the hell out of Kabul because they're going to come and get us because they know that we've been running this place uh, and that we basically destroyed their entire, you know, culture, right. And civilization and society. And this is going back to 78 guys, but uh, either that, or it was the gays who are like, Oh no, the Taliban are going to throw us off the building. And then, yeah, anyways. Okay. So I can make that joke guys. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so next statement from president Trump. Afghanistan is the most embarrassing military outcome in the history of the United States. It did not have to be that way. He had a whole plan, y'all. He had a whole plan. And uh, no one cared to listen to it, right? Uh, and then finally, oh, we have two final statements from President Trump. The corrupt presidential election of 2020 got us here. Never would have happened if I were president. I love how he's continuing to take those digs at the current uh, junta, uh, the this regime, this uh, false administration, right? And still rubbing his loses in his face. And then his final statement, again, this came after... Uh, President Select, resident in charge, illegitimate Joe, uh, gave his little speech on Afghanistan today. The corrupt presidential election of 2020 got us here. Oh, wait, I just said that. It's not that we left Afghanistan. It's the grossly incompetent way we left, exclamation point. And uh, that was, uh, I'm, you know, that's the, that's the thing to consider because, you know, at the onset of this again, I was like, wait, but, you know, President Trump was already going to do a, a, a troop withdrawal from Afghanistan, but he had a lot of things in place. You know, like I said, he had a treaty between the Taliban and the Afghan government. And under that treaty, the Afghan, uh, the Taliban even agreed that they would protect the Afghan government and that there would be a peaceful way for them to share power. Okay. And that's because the Taliban, okay. The Taliban, it seems to me, would have been the original people <laughs> who got kicked out of Afghanistan, like in the 70s and 80s, and then who went to other countries and they formed these Taliban to come back in and take their country. We'll get into the history in just a minute. That's why it's like, who is really the bad guy here? Everything is so convoluted and it's done. I mean, Satanists believe in chaos, right? It's done on purpose when we have the CIA and other agencies proxied by the United States government doing all of this crap in other countries so that they can have power. They can take oil fields. They can take poppy fields. They can use it. And really, Afghanistan was used as a base of operations for uh, uh, entities like the deep state to work around, you know, the Middle East and to other countries. And that's what it kind of appears like that's what was going on to me. Uh, don't quote me, but this is just kind of my amateur analysis on what I'm seeing as having happened throughout the past of uh, Afghanistan. So, okay, so let's get into this now, guys. We're going to jump into it. Like what we're seeing right now in Afghanistan, of course, is a mass evacuation. Uh, they have evacuated um, American personnel. 
They are evacuating refugees. Okay. Now, and there's, these are hundreds of, we're talking about hundreds of Afghans who are trying to get out of here. And of course, here's the other piece to that pie that I'm thinking, of course, because, uh, you know, you know, uh, you have, you have this, uh, communist regime in Cuba. And this myths me very much. You have this communist regime in Cuba who's you who's like basically slaughtering all these people. And I believe that they're using COVID as a cover for the mass, uh, the mass um, a killing of protesters in Cuba. Can I prove that? No, because Biden still has not turned on the Internet in Cuba. OK, but you have stories coming out where they are. They have mass graves and they're digging up their dead so they can bury people who have died of COVID. I think that's BS. I think that those are people who have been uh, uh, who have been assassinated or who have been um, who have been um, um terminated, I guess, for a, the lack of a better word, you know, um, uh, because they were protesters, okay? Because there was on record at least a thousand of people who were either arrested or detained for being part of those protests. There are even, you know, the, the, the content, the videos that you can find on social media where they show, you know, these, these, uh, these black berets and other cops, um, you know, coming into people's homes, taking them out, shooting them. There's that one really sad, ugly video where there was even blood on the ground and the woman's crying and she's saying they came in here and they took my husband and they shot him and stuff like that. And there's still blood on the floor. You know, like, I really believe that's a cover. So you have that happening in Cuba, Cuba, sorry, in Cuba, I'm a Cuba Libre, no, in Cuba. And you have, uh, you have that happening in Cuba. And yet, you know, the Biden administration, the Biden regime is not allowing those asylum seekers to come into America. No, you got to come through. You got to come by way of the southern border because you're going to come and ruin our country by being here illegally. That's the only way you're allowed in. Or if you're now it's or if you're from Afghanistan, because now you, you guys probably I'm sure had heard that, like, he's going to go ahead and allow uh, there's going to be priority of Afghani refugees into America over Americans who are still over there. OK, what the heck is up with that? I'll tell you what's up with that, because all of this is going to go back to this DHS thing that's happening right now, guys. DHS thing where they're declaring all the patriots to be terrorists. It all goes back to that, too. OK, because they are going to be able to have thousands of Afghani refugees coming into the United States of America. And how many of those do you think are going to be plants from the Taliban or plants from CIA operatives, you know? And that's the whole thing that I'm talking about here is like between this whole war that's going on right now in Afghanistan with the Taliban taking over, how many of those are CIA trained? How many of those are CIA members? You know, that's the question here. And, and if none of those are, say that none, none of the people who are, who are taking back Afghanistan in Afghanistan, Taliban, are CIA operatives. Because that's the thought that crossed my mind. How many of these are trained by CIA? How many of these are actual CIA? Because, you know, I was reading another article from a Syrian, um, a Syrian news outlet, and they were talking about how um, they have refugees who are joining up with uh, like the Turk the Turkish Turkey and, you know, and they're coming back in to uh, as members of the Taliban. And I'm like, okay, so they have people being trained in other city, uh, other States, other countries. Uh, there, there's just, if there's so much going on over there and, and who's to say, maybe none of them are CIA trained. Right. But the people who are coming into America, the refugees, 
just like we have people coming in from the Middle East and China and Haiti and other places in Africa, not even from Central America, not even from Mexico, right? How many of those are terrorists that are going to be plants who are going to come in here and they're going to do their false flags and they're going to do their acts of destruction and stuff like that. And they're going to do their acts of terrorism, right? How many of those people coming from Afghanistan right now are going to be just that. And that I think is the plant. Like that is a Trojan horse that to me, that's another facet of what is happening there right now under this Biden regime junta. Okay. Like that's a big piece of it. Like they're, they are successfully going to get terrorists into our country because of the way that they, uh, that they, they did this drawdown in Afghanistan and they basically allowed this to collapse. The question is who who is the individual or entities that constructed, that manufactured this drawdown and caused this collapse in Afghanistan? And I don't think you all will be surprised by my answer to that question when we get there, okay? So anyways, we see that happening. We see Taliban taking back the capitals and the major cities, all of this stuff happening, right? Okay, now, before we get into more current events, we are currently going to take a quick look at some of the recent history of, uh, of the country of Afghanistan. And we're going to do that for perspective, of course. So this way we not, it's not like having an understanding, but we have kind of a, a different purview on what is exactly happening over there. We, we need to know a little bit about the past of this country in order for us to really get a grasp or even to make an assessment or even to make a presumption or even to speculate about exactly all the crap that's going on right now in Afghanistan. So, all right. Join me on this adventure, would you? <laughs> As we take a brief look. Um, now, we're going to go back uh, and we're going to take a look at the country of, of Afghanistan starting about the 1700s. And it's only about six minutes or so, guys. So it's not a long video, but it's going to take us all the way up through present time so we can get kind of a perspective on all that or, or refresh our memories if we're aware of this knowledge of this history and uh, what the heck was going on in Afghanistan, right? Okay, so let's go ahead and do that. Sit back a spell, get your snacks, put up, you know, put up your lazy boy chair, Get comfy and uh, let's let's take a brief look at the history of Afghanistan. 1709, the Pashtun Hotak dynasty successfully rebelled and established a short-lived empire by conquering a great deal of Iranian territory. The Safavid Empire was overthrown by the soldier of fortune Nader Shah. He was the son of a common herdsman and one of the most brilliant military strategists ever to have lived. He reconquered Afghanistan and defeated Ottoman and Mughal armies, but his reign was brought short when he was assassinated at the age of 48. One of his cavalry commanders, Amit Shah Durrani, was a Pashtun and returned to his homeland, where a Pashtun tribal confederation selected him as their leader. He used his military experience to great effect, conquering those cities that did not join his cause in Afghanistan. And during his long 25-year reign, he successfully campaigned in India three times against the Marathas and Mughals, and even sacked their capital city of Delhi in 1757. The Durrani Empire is considered the foundation of the modern state of Afghanistan, and Ahmed Shah Durrani as the father of the nation. The empire declined after they were defeated by the Sikhs 
and driven out of the Indian subcontinent. However, the greatest factor influencing their decline may have been economic, as trade was cut off to China due to poor diplomatic relations and the traffic along the ancient land trade routes connecting India, Iran, and Central Asia all but disappeared. This was due to the expansion of the Russian Empire into Central Asia and the dominance of the British East India Company over maritime trade, leaving Afghanistan in a more isolated state than it had been in in over 2,000 years, but also a more unified one, with the majority of the country practicing the same religion, Sunni Islam, and the concept of a national Afghan identity became prevalent. Regardless of tribal or ethnic affiliation, the Durrani were overthrown by Dost Mohammed Khan, who established the Emirate of Afghanistan. The British, who had largely gained control over India and its revenue, feared that the Russians would take Afghanistan and use it as a staging ground to take India from them. So to preempt the Russians, they invaded instead and reinstalled the deposed Durrani king on the throne, who was widely disliked. After encountering minimal resistance to their conquest and occupation of the country, the British withdrew most of their troops back to India. The remaining British occupying force was then ambushed and was almost completely slaughtered as they attempted to retreat from the country. In a event that shocked Great Britain and the Western world, the Afghans then reinstated Dost Mohammed Khan on the throne of the country. Nearly four decades after the first invasion, the British invaded again. A peace was concluded after both sides suffered heavy casualties. Afghanistan became a British protectorate, with the Afghans maintaining complete self-rule and the British handling their foreign affairs, which they didn't do too much of anyways. Namely, no cadoodling with the Ruskies. Forty years later, in a third Anglo-Afghan war, 120,000 Afghans invaded India. After a few brief clashes with the British, a treaty was made where Afghanistan would be internationally recognized as a fully independent state. A few years later, in 1926, the country was reformed into the Kingdom of Afghanistan and began the process of modernization and increased contacts with the outside world. In 1973, the monarchy was overthrown in a bloodless coup d'etat by the king's cousin, Mohammed Daoud Khan, who became the president of a single-party republic, who further sought to modernize the country and received aid from the Soviet Union and the United States, who both tried to curry influence over the country. In 1978, Daoud and many of his family members were assassinated during a communist coup d'etat, establishing the Democratic Republic of Afghanistan. This Soviet-backed government pushed wide-ranging reforms that sought to modernize and abolish most traditional and religious societal structures. This caused widespread insurrection and Soviet involvement in a long war of attrition that nearly lasted 10 years and caused millions of refugees to leave the country. A few years after the Soviet Union withdrew their forces, the Islamic State of Afghanistan overthrew the government and took over the cities, which was largely overthrown by the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan in 1996, which established a totalitarian rule. They were removed from power five years later by U.S. coalition forces and the Northern Alliance and established the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan in 2004. Uh-oh, it's thinking. Let me get this fixed real quick. Come on. Three years after the there Soviet Union withdrew their forces. I was wondering, I was wondering about that because uh, I was like, these pictures should be changing. Okay, let me go back to... Uh, we'll go back to here. Okay. 
They invaded instead, and reinstalled the deposed Durrani king on the throne, who was widely disliked. After encountering minimal resistance to their conquest and occupation of the country, the British withdrew most of their troops back to India. The remaining British occupying force was then ambushed and was almost completely slaughtered as they attempted to retreat from the country. In a event that shocked Great Britain, and the Western world. The Afghans then reinstated Dost Muhammad Khan on the throne of the country. Nearly four decades after the first invasion, the British invaded again. A peace was concluded after both sides suffered heavy casualties. Afghanistan became a British protectorate, with the Afghans maintaining complete self-rule and the British handling their foreign affairs, which they didn't do too much of anyways. Namely, no cadoodling with the Ruskies. Forty years later, in a third Anglo-Afghan war, 120,000 Afghans invaded India. After a few brief clashes with the British, a treaty was made where Afghanistan would be internationally recognized as a fully independent state. A few years later, in 1926, the country was reformed into the Kingdom of Afghanistan and began the process of modernization and increased contacts with the outside world. In 1973, the monarchy was overthrown in a bloodless coup d'etat by the king's cousin, Mohammad Daoud Khan who became the president of a single-party republic, who further sought to modernize the country and received aid from the Soviet Union and the United States, who both tried to curry influence over the country. In 1978, Daoud and many of his family members were assassinated during a communist coup d'etat, establishing the Democratic Republic of Afghanistan. This so, so, okay, so real quick, right here, in 1978, the communists came into Afghanistan and turned it from the Republic of Afghanistan to the Democratic Republic of Afghanistan. So it's funny how the communists and the socialists, the progressives, and you know the globalists always use this democracy blanket, right? But here in 78, up until 1992, and this is where America gets involved, this is where we get the 40-year war here in Afghanistan, it starts with the communists. Soviet-backed government pushed wide-ranging reforms that sought to modernize and abolish most traditional and religious societal structures. This caused widespread insurrection and Soviet involvement in a long war of attrition that nearly lasted 10 years and caused millions of refugees to leave the country. A few years after the Soviet Union withdrew their forces, the Islamic State of Afghanistan overthrew the government and took over the cities, which was largely overthrown by the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan in 1996 which established a totalitarian rule. They were removed from power five years later by U.S. coalition forces and the Northern Alliance and established the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan in 2004. Let me know in the comments of what you believe the future holds for Afghanistan. Also, let me know in the comments of what you found most interesting. Okay, so that was a quick overview. I told you it was going to be a quick overview about the history of Afghanistan. So in the last 10 years, their government has changed at least three times. Um, that's a lot of stuff. So they had the communists come in, they had uh, those, those guys were overtaken. Then they had the Taliban come in and then they were overtaken in 2001 up to what we have going on now, which was the Afghan government. Um, and so real, that was real quick on that. Let me get this off the screen now. Who's this? Ah, it's the desk of president Trump. Okay. All right. So just a real quick, so, you know, just a quick recap on that. Let me get President Trump off the screen. <laughs> there we go. How about this one? I think I got a better one here. No, not that one. This one. We'll go with this one. Okay. Yeah, that'll work. Okay. And let me get that. It's nice and professional looking, right? Okay. 
Whoops. <laughs> okay. All right. So all that, ladies and gentlemen, all that real quick, quick piece of the pie. Now, um, let me see here. Let me see here, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so when we're talking about uh, Afghanistan again, so again, it was not just a 20-year war since 2001 uh, where we went into Afghanistan just because apparently Osama bin Laden was over there. No telling what. He was just the boogeyman. But 40 years again, uh, 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 Afghanistan has essentially been at war since 1978-1979. The first United States intervention in Afghanistan began also at that time following a coup that brought a Marxist-leaning government to power in 1978. In July 79, President Jimmy Carter authorized a joint, uh, a joint CIA operation. Again, CIA is always going to have its hands in these uh, regime changes. So CIA joins forces with Pakistan intelligence to fund the Mujahideen. And Mujahideen, uh, the um, was it the Muslim Brotherhood guys? Like again, are we're always training and funding these people to do our dirty work as a proxy, right? And then later on, we turn on them and we use them as an excuse to invade, right? We, we set them up and then we take them down. Like it's, God, talk about a long game. Uh, I'm, I know you guys all understand that that's the way that they work. But again, the Mujahideen were Afghan fundamentalist milita militants in their fight against the newly installed Afghan Marxist government. Although it's widely claimed that the United States intervention in Afghanistan followed and was aimed at stopping the Russian invasion, the Russians entered Afghanistan in December of 79, um, over five months after the U.S. covert operation in Afghanistan and Pakistan had already begun. So we go in there with the CIA joining forces with Pakistan saying, we're going in there because of the Russians, but the Russians didn't even come until five months after we had started. So what's really going on here, right? Like the, the convolutedness of this history. I kind of feel like we should just withdraw from everything and, and just, I don't know, like I'm like, and, and then see what they do and figure that out, you know, because I mean, in the context of what we've, like seen here, plus what we know about the Taliban trying to take back the land of Afghanistan from this uh, installed government, like it, it almost, I mean, if you, if you think about in terms about how everything that the globalists say and the media say, you just take it backwards or you, you reverse what they're saying and that's the truth. It kind of seems like, and don't quote me on this, guys, like we're kind of, I'm kind of like, you know, walking my thoughts through this with you all as well. But it kind of seems like the Taliban, who in like the 70s and 80s fled, and then they got militarized, they, they, they got trained and, and militant became, became, you know, like, uh, what do you call it, became uh, rebels to try and take back their land. It seems like it kind of seems like that this is that's been their position all along. And what's happening right now is the Western government, because what is the, the people who are being kicked out of Afghanistan right now, the United, the whole evacuation, it's it's United States contractors, military, United States nonprofit organizations. And I'm sure a litter of other Western society organizations we're talking about the globalists if we say something like western backed government we're talking about globalists we're talking about rothschilds we're talking about soros okay western backed like when we say the western backed central banks 
that's what we're talking about. Because uh, even though central banks that are Western backed pretty much proliferate throughout the entire world, there are a few central banks like in Iran that are not Western backed. And another reason why I believe that they are painted as an enemy other than the fact that they are terrorists, you know, um, but the, it's a Western backed government that was installed in 2001, 2002, whatever, whenever we had this whole thing, you know, and we're taking the oil and the poppy fields from Afghanistan so we can control the opioid, uh, you know, um, um, the opioid uh, cells and stuff like that. That's what's being kicked out right now. So, I, I mean, it's a very convoluted past, as you guys can see. But, I mean, to me, it's like you kind of have to wonder because then it's also the story and the propaganda that they're sharing with us on the news and stuff like that. And so that's what I'm talking about when we're getting to these international things. It's like, dang, like, who do you really believe? Because there's this entire convoluted history going on with Afghanistan. And then there's this entire fake narrative that's coming out of, you know, uh, media and stuff like that. It's like, what on earth? So, you know. Follow your patterns and your gut and stuff like that. And hopefully that leads you in the right way. But getting back to this whole past that's happening with Afghanistan, although it's widely. OK, I already said that part. Um, let's see here. Uh, OK, so. All right. So the U.S. military and economic assistance to the Mujahideen and Pakistani military and intelligence forces between 1979 and the 1990s amounted oh it's talking about it was 20 billion dollars that's what we spent back then can you believe it 20 billion dollars i'm surprised that our debt ceiling isn't even higher by now than that initially through the carter brzezinski uh yeah that's right brzezinski we all know who brzezinski is he's the one who helped arrange all of this stuff in the middle east in the 70s 60s and probably into the 80s as well um, and his covert funding program that was codenamed Operation Cyclone and later through the years of the United States assistance to Pakistan to support Afghan militants. Uh, eventually, the United States stated goal of forcing the Russians out of Afghanistan succeeded. In 1989, the Russians withdrew, ushering in a long, multi-phased civil war between the Mujahideen factions that ended with the most extreme group taking over Afghanistan in 1996 and that was the Taliban. And the Taliban ran Afghanistan until we went in again under George Bush, W, and, uh, and, and then basically occupied the country of Afghanistan. Okay, so that's just a piece of it. We're at, we're at the point where the Taliban, who've been fighting to get their country back, has now been taken over by the United States under W., Okay, and they've been we've been running it since, and now we have this drawdown plan, and and you know when we're talking about what President Trump had done, right, and and the Taliban, right, and let's 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 just blur the lines and go neutral, right? Let's say the Taliban are the evil group and the Afghan government that's been installed since you know we took over, our uh, since the United States took over are the good guys, right? Let's say it that way. What President Trump had arranged to happen was, it's like, it's almost like, let's put a smudge on the history of everything that happened. And let's just make peace between these two groups so that the country of Afghanistan can stabilize and it can itself, uh, it can be, it can be, you know, independent. It can, it can be self reliant it doesn't it, it can govern itself you know and okay so and we'll take a look at that too 
Actually, let me see. Uh, let me go ahead and pull that up here now. Let me see what we got. Where are the rest of my notes? Okay, so uh, dump, dump, pump. No, that's not the one. Um, I, I want to show you guys um, the whole agreement that was going on with President Trump. And, uh, and how that coincides with this. Because it's important to note, because, again, you have some elements of the mainstream media. You have, you have the White House press admin, and you also have Biden himself blaming all of this on President Trump. Which, it makes no sense. It makes no sense at all, ladies and gentlemen. You know, if Chewbacca lives on Endor with, you know, the Ewoks, it makes no sense. And this makes no sense for Biden to be blaming this whole collapse happening in Afghanistan on President Trump. It makes absolutely no sense at all. Okay, so I need to find this article real quick. Where did I put it? Uh, let me see. Trump admin. That's not it. And so they can't really be blaming it on him when he had this entire peace deal, like put together, you know, and if he had this entire peace deal put together, they just, and you know, President Trump even said in another statement, I think back in April, something to the effect that they needed to follow the timeline. And, and there was a whole lot more to it than just the timeline, you know, it had to do with this entire plan. Where did it go? I have too many windows. Hold on. Uh, let me see here. It's not up here. I don't think it's up here. Let me see if it's up here. I might have put it up here. You guys see me clicking through my windows? Uh, let me see here. It's not. What did I do with it? Okay, hold on. Let me put this. Yeah, we'll, put, we'll leave that. We'll leave that image on the screen for now. Let me find this article for you guys because I had it here, and it's pretty interesting. Oh, here it is. Okay, cool. All right, let's check this out. We got some good stuff for you guys, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, we'll start with this quick video, and then we'll talk a little bit about. It was called the Doha Agreement, okay? The Doha Agreement is the agreement that President Trump had forged between the current Afghan government and the Taliban. Now, this was, this was President Trump's withdrawal plan, okay? And the Biden administration did not stick to it. Um, and because of that, that was their decision, we are currently seeing what we're seeing right now. And personally, ladies and gentlemen, I think that it is, uh, I think that this is, this is planned. I think that this is a planned collapse. That's what I think this is. I think that this is a planned collapse that's happening right now, and it's going to serve multiple purposes. It's going to get Afghan terrorists in the United States in time for the 9-11 anniversary, 20 years. And we'll talk about how that ties into DHS, right? Right here, 25th. Oh, wait, that's D8. D8, oh, wait. DA, oh, you can't see it. DHS declares patriots to be terrorists, ties into that. So, it, so this whole this whole manufactured collapse of, of Afghanistan will get terrorists in America for that purpose. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. 
It will also serve the purpose of providing an access to the 25th Amendment to get Biden out and Kamala in. And it will really just screw up the Middle East, okay? Because they already had a plan and it's not happening. Uh, but let's take a look at this video real quick. This historic meeting between the Afghan government... Okay, I don't know why it's not playing it whenever I play it, but these videos move, like... <laughs> That entire video with, uh, that entire video that I showed you guys on the Afghan thing, like, there's all these moving parts to it, and I didn't want to play. Okay, let me refresh this screen. This historic meeting between the Afghan government... I... Okay. Here we go. I think it'll work now. This historic meeting between the Afghan government I am very proud and Taliban could be the beginning of the end for the longest war in U.S. history. Afghans have at long last chosen to sit together and chart a new course for your country. This is a moment that we must dare to hope. <laughs> The U.S. made its own peace deal with the Taliban in February. But with so many Afghans killed, there's no love lost between these two sides. I spoke with a Taliban representative in Doha two years ago. It sounds to me like once the U.S. withdraws its troops that you will seek to topple the Afghan government as it currently is in, in Kabul. That's the accusation. We just want two main things. One is uh, end of occupation in an Islamic government in Afghanistan that's participated by all Afghans. And if these talks don't achieve the Taliban's goals, they vowed to keep fighting as long as they have to. Matt Bradley, NBC News. Okay, did you guys get that? I, that, is I mean, I... that is super interesting to me, guys, because the first thing you have to ask yourselves is if the mainstream media and the globalist, uh, the globalist administrations that have been in power for the last decades, okay, if they are telling America the Taliban are bad, the Taliban are evil, the Taliban are the number one enemies, the Taliban, the Taliban, the Taliban, why would the Trump administration make a deal with them? Okay, he they made a deal with him. So again, here's this. That's what I'm talking about. The propaganda and the lies and the convolution that they feed us. Right. If the Taliban has been told to the American people that they are the they are worse than sin, they are evil beyond reproach and they should not be dealt with like we do not we do not negotiate with terrorists kind of thing. Right. Why would the Trump administration seek to make he like it said there in this report the trump administration already made agreements with the taliban so why would the trump administration go out on a limb to make peace and friendly to extend an olive branch to a terrorist group if these guys were not originally part of this entire like uh um like like exodus like you know they were maybe they were the original group and they've been trying to get back into their country and that's what they're fighting for i'm not i'm not saying here mr c yes that the taliban are good guys because i'm still trying to understand this myself but the context clues and the history 
and also the patterns of the CIA and the deep state and their operations in other countries and regime change, this is what it's starting to look like to me, okay? So trying to put this all together on screen with you guys. Now, you guys also saw that interview, as brief as it was, with the Taliban representative and that idiot reporter. And the idiot reporter's already coming at him with these narratives. Like, he's already kind of putting out that entire, like, uh, it's like he's uh, fishing and he's like, you know, uh, he's leading. Like, he was leading through his reporting, like, you know, you guys are terrorists and you guys are going to take over the Afghan government. And, and the, you know... Um, if that guy were a true terrorist, you know, I, I don't think he'd be sitting there saying, we just want, we just want to work on this together. Like he would say, no, we're going to take over Afghanistan because blah, 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 blah. You know, that's not what that man said. Like that didn't look like a terrorist. I mean, he was not speaking like someone who had the intention of, of committing murder and killing people to get his way. He's trying to like, like whoever this, these Taliban are. Because we've been told one side of the story, but like if we use our discernment and really look at this at a long view and take a step back, like this looks like something totally different to me. Okay. It looks like something totally different to me. And, and, and I'm just willing to say, I mean, the Trump administration did everything for a reason. Okay. Not just willy nilly. Like maybe, yeah, they just want to make peace. But do you think that the Trump administration would make peace with real avowed known terrorists who want nothing but blood, blood, like blood control and, and like power and have no respect for life or no respect for anything except for their own uh, supremacy, you know, and, and, and just in that interview alone, I mean, He's sitting there with a Taliban member, and I'm not putting the Taliban up on it. And there's going to be reports, oh, they're terrorists over at the Sea Report. They believe in the Taliban. Well, bull, because you know what? We have a bigger, broader view here than that. And I'm just saying, guys, like based on that one and a half minute <laughs> like news clip right there, like it seems like there's a little bit more going on than what meets the eye. So let's talk a little bit about this, um, this, uh, this peace treaty that happened between Trump and the Taliban and the Afghan government current. Okay. Like I said, it was called the Doha, what was it called? The Doha agreement. And I'm going to read this straight from the article for you guys. Um, this is from September 10th, 2020. We'll go through a little bit of it here. Uh, and I'll maximize that for you guys. Um, long awaited talks between the Taliban and an Afghan delegation that includes members of the government are due to begin Saturday in a diplomatic breakthrough that could bring the country a step closer to peace after four decades of war. See, 40 years, guys. Everyone's thinking 20 since, uh, since, since September 11th. But no, guys, this is a much longer story. OK, this is the breakdown here, guys, on what's going on and down in Afghanistan. Taliban spokesman Dr. Muhammad Naim said in a statement that the group would like to declare its readiness to partake in the inauguration ceremony of intra-Afghan negotiations. He added that the talks are to be held in Qatar, where the Taliban maintain a political office. The announcement comes on the eve of the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on the United States. As the government of Afghanistan from 1996 to 2001, the Taliban had sheltered Osama bin Laden, the Al-Qaeda leader, the CIA leader, and the architect of those attacks before U.S.-led coalition's forces overthrew them. So here's where we get a little convoluted again, because again, 
these Taliban had apparently sheltered Osama bin Laden. Let's not forget, Osama bin Laden is CIA. How do we know that he was just not interjected into the Taliban to help formulate this narrative? Because again, I don't think that like, uh, an administration like the Trump administration would work in good faith with people who were undoubtedly and unequivocally evil terrorists who just want to take over the world. I really don't, but that's just my opinion. Okay, because CIA is all over this, Al-Qaeda, Al-CIA. Senior members of the current Afghan government will also attend the negotiations in Doha at the behest of President Afshraf Ghani, the government said in a statement. Welcoming the talks, President Donald Trump told a news conference Thursday that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo would attend the negotiations. Pompeo said in a statement that they marked a historic opportunity for Afghanistan to bring an end to four decades of war and bloodshed. He added, this opportunity must not be squandered. Immense sacrifice and investment by the United States, our partners and the people of Afghanistan have been made this moment of uh, have made this moment of hope possible. I urge the negotiations to demonstrate the pragmatism, restraint and flexibility this process will require to succeed. The two sides agreed to go ahead with the peace talks after resolving a dispute over the release of Taliban prisoners held by the Afghan government that had dragged on for months. The Western official added that there will be no international official acting as a mediator in the talks, as both the Afghan government and the Taliban said they preferred to hold direct talks without a third party presiding. The talks are intended to establish a political roadmap for a country that has been at war for more than 40 years. A permanent and comprehensive ceasefire is expected to be a top item on the agenda. If the talks go ahead, it would be the first time the Taliban officially sit down with members of the Kabul government to negotiate peace since the Taliban toppled the Taliban was toppled from power in the United States led invasion in 2001. And again guys, if the CIA planted if the CIA planted uh, Osama bin Laden in there, that was good enough excuse for them to invade Afghanistan, who had nothing to do with the 9-11 attacks except for the fact that Osama bin Laden was in Afghanistan. We know it was Saudi Arabia and other, and other agencies, but Afghanistan really had nothing to do with it other than the fact that Osama bin Laden was there, okay, in Afghanistan. Plant him in Afghanistan and they will take over the Taliban and use them as an excuse in the political map, in the political arena, to spread propaganda and lies to the people of America and the rest of the world. The breakthrough will be welcome news for many Afghans, with those younger than 40 having only experienced conflict. And as the war drags on, men, women and children continue to be caught in the crossfire. Uh, from 2009 to last year, more than 100,000 civilians were killed or injured in Afghanistan. It remains unclear whether the Taliban have accepted that they will be engaging directly with Afghan government or whatever they continue to view the Afghan delegation as representatives of Afghan society. The Taliban have persistently refused to negotiate directly with or recognize the government in Kabul and have referred to Ghani as an American puppet because we installed him under Bush when we went in and invaded them because we put 
uh, Osama bin Laden in their midst. Okay. Nevertheless, the talks are the next step in a United States agreement with the Taliban reached in February that called for the intra-Afghan negotiations and was seen at the time as Afghanistan's best hope for peace in decades. Boom, ladies and gentlemen. That's some stuff. Now, that's something that was happening under the um, Trump administration. Okay. Now, that was the plan. They signed a peace deal, and then they were going to do their withdrawal of United States troops. Okay. Because there would be a ceasefire. They would not have to worry about Taliban being like, look, we're not having peace talks. And let me tell you guys, once Trump was out and the Biden, the Biden junta coup was in, Taliban was like, screw this. And you know why? I bet you it's because they knew, they knew that under this Biden regime, this junta, you know, this, this dictatorship of Biden, because basically that's what it is at this point. Like they knew that the, these peace deals wouldn't stand. And, and indeed, indeed, the deep state believed that Biden would undo everything that President Trump did in Afghanistan. That's what they believed, guys. The deep state believed that Biden would undo everything because you know what they say, do exactly the opposite of President Trump, right? So they believed, the deep state believed that Biden would undo everything that President Trump did. They believed that he would undo the withdrawal and, and they believed that he would leave the troops there and everything there so that they could continue to play in their wonderland. They could continue to, uh, to exploit American tax dollars. They could continue to run their operations, whether they are an NGO or a contractor or a United States agency or an international agency. Because I wouldn't be surprised if we were funding them too over there in Afghanistan because that's what we American taxpayers do. We fund other people's crap, right? So anyways, so the, the globalists believe this. Now, the reason why I say the globalists believe this is because even after uh, President Trump was out of the picture for them and Biden was there, they were still continuing to get uh, to get contractors and work going on there. For example... Well, well, yeah, for example, uh, a company called Triple Canopy was hiring armed guards at Bagram to provide security for remaining United States personnel at at least four sites across the country of Afghanistan. Raytheon Technologies, guys, Raytheon Technologies was uh, was posting for logistics and intelligence analyst positions in Bagram. So they, as far as they were concerned, we were going to stay there nice and happy. Uh, CACI and BAE Systems posted jobs for signals intelligence specialists for an estimated term of 12 months. This was this was after President Select Biden got into place. So they're already, oh, we're gonna be here for another year at least, right? We're gonna get that money. Money's gonna keep on rolling in. American taxpayer dollars are gonna keep getting funneled into these uh, operations and agencies that the United States installed, starting with the overthrow of the Taliban in 2001. SOSI posted openings for intelligence analysts for year-long deployments where the work environment could require 100% of time spent outdoors, okay? Uh, PAE Incorporated scored nearly a billion dollars worth of contracts with the Pentagon over four years, hiring for contracts from the State Department. 
the deep state department was still planning to be there. They were not expecting Biden to do a withdrawal. Okay. Cause they're like, Oh, we got it. Yeah. Uh, he's our puppet. Da, 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 da. Okay. He's our puppet. He's still in place, you know, so we're, he's just going to undo president Trump's withdrawal. And, and that's why uh, the Taliban got militants again, because Trump was out. The peace agreements were off. And I'm sure the Afghan government that was there right now are probably like, oh, well, you know, Trump's not here anymore. So uh, we got our deep state people in again. So screw you, Taliban. Uh, peace talks are off, you know, and a Russian agency even uh, reported a story that the current president of Afghanistan fled the country with so much money he couldn't even keep it in his helicopter. He took off with like two helicopters full of money and other things. Because again, the Taliban were like, we're coming for you. Okay. And that's sort of like, dang, like what the heck is going on here? What's really happening? Uh, because, you know, even prior to this, prior to this, uh, prior to this, um, uh, what do you call it? This, uh, this taking of Afghanistan by the Taliban, you had up to two weeks ago, Biden sending in airstrikes and, and missiles. And my first thought was maybe maybe they're on the Taliban side and they're actually killing the Afghani people. But then when I looked at this bigger picture, I was like, no, maybe that's not what's going on. Maybe they're legitimately going after the Taliban because the Taliban are probably the ones who are the rightful owners of, you know, Afghanistan. They were kicked out in like 1978 or whatever. They became the Taliban because of all of that regime change that happened in the seventies, you know, and they're, I, I don't, I mean, it's, a, I don't know. I haven't looked at the chat guys. Maybe you guys have some insights or <laughs> to, to what I'm saying. And I'm just like running amok here. Uh, but, but again, you know, the, the deep state, they were definitely going uh, to, they were definitely thinking that this was going to be a lasting thing happening in Afghanistan. Okay. You know, and like I said, and, and president Trump's plan here also was to shut down the contractor welfare programs. He was like, and so that's what they were going to do. Trump was going to leave a mil, a small military presence in there, maybe some military contractors, but all the NGOs, all this extra, let's go teach people in Afghanistan how to be gay and, and all this other crap, you know? And I mean, you know, it's, it's whatever. But like they were wasting our money. Our taxpayer dollars are going to Afghanistan to teach them about homosexuality. Like what the hell? Like that's the, why is it our responsibility to do that? Right. You know, so they can have another colored revolution over there in Afghanistan in 10 years or so. I don't think so. So president Trump was basically cutting the money line to Afghanistan by getting, and by doing that, getting out all of this excess American agency, Western backed globalist crap, you know, people and entities out of there so that the legitimate people of the country of Afghanistan, the native people, if you want to call them that, whether they were the installed Afghan government or the Taliban. And I think that, you know, they, I think that the world should have been relieved that this terrorist Uber mega group, like the Taliban were willing to sit down and even share their power with the installed Afghan government. Okay. And God, it sounds like we're really like, this is what it's like to read a Syrian newspaper, guys. Like, it flips your world upside down because, like, uh, there's some truth out there that we don't hear. And you're probably not going to hear anyone else talking like I'm talking right now, saying that the Taliban government might actually be a legitimate government. But we've always been told that they were the terrorists and dictators and murderers and genocidalists, right? Um, 
I don't know. Because, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Because right now, there are people there who are crying, oh, the women are going to be executed and, and the gays are going to be thrown off buildings. And, you know, that's separate and removed from me, guys. But uh, but I don't know. I mean, who's to say? We, we even saw through other coups and other things on the TV where they were all actors. You were saying, oh, they're going to kill us and blah, 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 blah. So I don't know. I can't quote on that. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe the Taliban is like that. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Again, there's pieces of this puzzle that I couldn't fit in. And if they are going to violate human rights, according to some of the clips we're about to see in a minute, I mean, I don't know. Actually, let's 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 roll that beautiful bean footage now. OK, let's take a look at this. Um, let me see what we got here. Let's take a look at this real quick. This is from the Gateway Pundit. Uh, apparently, they have a brand new... <laughs> they have a brand new a correspondent. So go easy on her, guys. Go easy on her. She she doesn't... Uh, she isn't as suave and smooth as Jordan Conradson, but she's trying. Anyways, here's from the Gateway Pundit. Uh, they're at the uh, Afghan protest in Washington, D.C. She talks with a few people. <laughs> Alicia Powell with the Gateway Pundit here near the White House, and there was just a protest of a lot of Afghan natives, and you're protesting President Biden, is that right? Not only President Biden, but also the Taliban, because we think Biden obviously has, he's able to help, but instead, you know, we believe he's doing the opposite. The situation in Afghanistan is heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Thousands of people are displaced. Thousands of women are trying to find a way to get out of the country. Women are are surrounded with a lot of uncertainties and fears. They fear about their rights. They fear about their hard-won gains, about all the change they have made in the last 20 years. And now they are all of a the sudden, they see an Islamic Emirate in front of their eyes, which has no respect to human rights, which has no respect to our diversity, and no respect especially for it to values. When you say 20 years, you mean since 9-11? Uh, 9-11, 2001. For 20 years, they rebuilt the community, and they created a community which was very respectful to the diversity and human rights and, and democratic values. And for 20 years, we taught our children about this value. Now, those children who were born after 2001, now they are facing an Islamic Emirate and no, no one knows which kind of rules and regulation they are going to bring for Afghan women. The reason uh, I'm here today and yesterday I was here by the way to protest uh, to the White House and United States and through United States to the entire world. The way that our government collapsed yesterday it was shocking. And the way that the people who were uh, taken out of our country with the hope that we are going to have democracy, we are going to have human rights and women rights, children rights, we are going to have education and all these facilities that other world is going to have. So we came with the hope, we stood with the United States government, and now we are back to the 90s. What specifically is your problem with the way the situation was handled by the Biden administration this week? Many African Americans and Afghans weren't happy with the Doha deal, I think in the immediate um, start of it, people were hopeful, but then because the Afghan government was not included in it, that was a red flag to us, that they were completely excluded. And then that- That woman's gotta be a plant. That woman's a plant. 
because the Afghan government were included in the Dohan deal. We just read it, guys. We just read it, okay? She's an operative, all right? And the Gateway Pundit, they're just out there doing their due diligence, so... And oh, so there was a, uh, another comment here. I mean, you know, I mean, this is this is all still very open. I'm throwing out some ideas right now about what I'm thinking about this stuff. Uh, after the Civil War, right? Sorry, I'm going. <laughs> I totally just broke into this uh, this video. Uh, let me see here. Uh, oh God, you guys are you guys are throwing out some 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 gold pills. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, anyway, okay, let, let's get back to this. Let's get back to this. Things like that continue to happen over months that stood out to us that this isn't why aren't the Afghan government, why is not the Afghan government being respected and in included when there are the official leaders of the country. So over time. See, but we installed them in 2001. Okay. Uh, there were red flags. And then once Biden took office, uh, you know, the Taliban, they were, they were not going to a lot of the peace meetings, but the Afghan government was. And then once Biden came into office, there were some targeted killings. So there were targeted killings of civilians. They were blowing up infrastructure and buildings. And these are all war crimes. And so we, we were wondering, why, why is the deal continuing when there are war crimes happening? And in addition, according to the Doha deal, they were not supposed to uh, attack city centers. And um, starting last week, they started doing that. So there were various points. Okay, lady, the Doha deal was off the minute Biden got into office. So you cannot use the Doha deal as an, a reference attack for last week. Okay, that's where she's wrong. Doha deal was off the minute Biden got into office because the peace talks officially stopped at that point. And that's six months ago. So again, this is this woman, she's spinning a story. This woman is spinning a story right here. That's what she's doing at which Biden could have pulled out of the Doha deal and had justification to do so, and he didn't. What are you asking for of the government or of the white Biden administration? To send aid to Afghanistan and help the people. The troops have been in there for over 20 years, and now they took them out when we need them the most. And it just happens, you know, that the Taliban took over. It, it was all planned. So the United States, there's been troops in the in Afghanistan for 20 years. Has that helped Afghanistan? Yeah, I do believe they helped a lot. They have changed even today when I'm here. So this is because of the United States. We had like, you know, they provided employment opportunity to our people. They provided financial assistance. They provide technology. They they created the military for, for our government. You know, they helped creating the military, our uh, national directorate of security, our intelligence, many more things. So with the, even the airport, bubble, roads, bridges, schools, many things, universities, curriculum, with whatever you can image they helped us but the way they the transition happened this and this is not acceptable it's not making any sense you know you are taking a country 20 years and now you're throwing it, it back 20 years i'm not saying we should have a state in afghanistan for another 20 years definitely not our children should have come here in the to, uh, home but we should have literal uh, responsive. Do you think that war on terror and everything that the United States did after
after 9-11 made Afghanistan a better place at a certain point? Well, a lot of progress had been made in Afghanistan. I mean, there was a lot of impact with support of the United States and international community. Afghan, Afghan uh, people could uh, make a lot of progress, huge progress in terms compared of people. before. Oh, yes, absolutely. Compared to before, absolutely. A lot of progress, like, you know, in terms of human rights, in terms of children's situation, in terms of, like, uh, uh, democracy and governments and, and so that people can choose their leader. Like, a lot of progress. We have uh, we have uh, about 50% of their at the school compared to zero before 2001. And then what happened? And then, what, like, in my home city yesterday, when a uh, uh, college uh, student went to a school, like, female college student went to uh, college, they were stopped by the Taliban and they, they were sent home back because uh, they said Islamic Emirate, Emirate doesn't support it at this moment. We need to make decision about that. And even those uh, employed women, uh, when they started, like, you know, their, like, they, they, they were about to start their regular day and they went to their workplace, but they were sent home. So it shows Taliban's intuition about women's rights and their right to uh, to access to job opportunity, education, um, political participation, economic participation is not changed, unfortunately. So did this start to like happen at a precipitous rate when Biden took office and not when Trump was there just in Jan before January? Yeah, the reason was because of the troop, the the schedule of the troop withdrawal, it was such that May, in May is when I think uh, Biden actually might have made the announcement of the, you know, September 11th, we're going to pull out. And so that triggered a lot of the intense fighting. And at the same time, the U.S. troops and the NATO troops started actually pulling out in greater numbers at that point. So that it was like the troop withdrawal plus the announcement with the deadline at the end of it just emboldened the Taliban and their sponsors. And it just got really ugly. We are back to the people who do not believe on democracy. We are back to the people who do not believe on education, on women rights, on children rights, and human rights. They don't have anything in mind. And by the way, I'm telling you, this is because I have born in Afghanistan. I've lived there, and I was there like on almost three months back. What do you think about how the Joe Biden, the Biden administration's handling it? Does it have to do with this administration or were things tumbling before he took it office? Um, I do believe that the decision to take uh, um, U.S. troops out of Afghanistan was taken earlier, but the way that it happened yesterday was not acceptable to our people. Till I'm alive in the world, even if Afghanistan becomes superpower of the world, I'm gonna, for I'm not gonna forget this day. I can tell you that our special forces were more equipped than the Indian right now. And they collapse like in few hours this much smoothly. How you can imagine this? And you dream, for example, for your country, we had a dream for a future, our democracy, for the development, for technology, for many more things since last 20 years. And your dream become like this way, with, with, with a single click, you know, how you can imagine. What do you think about how Biden's handling the Middle East versus President Trump just a few months ago? I mean, I honestly was pro-Trump the whole time. So um, I think Biden had a lot to say, but he didn't go through with anything he had to say. So obviously I'm very upset. My people are dying. Why were you pro-Trump? Because Trump says what he, he goes through what he says. And I feel like Biden doesn't care about any of us. Trump helped the international companies. He may not have been everybody's 
biggest like he's not the like their favorite people but he got their he got things done in a sense so i'm not a big huge fan of his but i like the fact that he helped those international countries i know he helped afghanistan they were one of the countries and those are our people and our the women and the girls there are being treated horribly and they they don't deserve that no human deserves that what do you think about joe biden um, do you think he won the election? <laughs> it was rigged. <laughs> Dang. I, I give him, uh, you know, I vote for Joe Biden. Oh, uh, girl. Yeah, I did. But I actually, a big mistake. Just, oh, I decided yeah. I'm never voting again. Yeah. Because the government. you can't trust the government. To me, it's they don't care about the people. Yeah. They don't, you know? They could easily, we, we live in America. They could easily send troops back to Afghanistan. They've had troops for how many years? 40. Now that we need them, the troops are just, they're gone. What do you think about Joe Biden? Do you think the, the elections in 2020 in the United States were fair? I have no comment about that. Yeah. Oh, because you're not predicting. Do you, do you, do you, what did you think about President Trump? Well, President Trump, um, he started a peace negotiation, which was a good step to me. I mean, it was a good move uh, because uh, he wanted to stop the war in Afghanistan. And it's been like 40 years that Afghanistan is in war. And he wanted to stop that war and he started a peace negotiation. But unfortunately, it didn't, well, didn't go very well because it, there wasn't that much push, that much interest to the peace negotiation. Everyone just was, you know, was just thinking to withdraw it, to, to, to get the tr troops out of the country. They were, I think they were, uh, the new administration were more um thinking about uh, getting troops out of the country rather than like and he's acting Sorry, like a centrist so i feel that it hasn't gone too far in either direction um maybe some people disagree with that you know the recent budget bill that they passed maybe some people think that's too much um but i think there are other areas where he he has been in the center or maybe even the right even so it's been a mixed bag what did you think about trump um I think, you know, I go by policies, so I can't say I hated all of his policies. There might have been some that I was like, okay, but yeah, I think his style of communicating and there were some there were some problematic things, but I try to just stick with policy and focus on policy only. How do you think Joe Biden is handling Afghanistan and the Taliban situation? I in general, I would have to say I don't want to say talk about only Joe Biden. I and overall not going to, I cannot say that I support generally what has happened in the last 20 years. And there's been a lot of things that we shouldn't have done. As far as this piece goes, my only request to the people and Joe Biden and anyone who can make a difference is a peace should include every religious group, every cultural group, every neighbor, every international, anyone 
surrounding Afghanistan, all the diversity, all all the countries that want to be involved in Afghanistan. Basically, the peace should be inclusive of everyone and should create a situation that a government can work with the international community because now the world's flat. You cannot be isolated and do things. So that's what I would like. If, you know, if, if I would help Joe Biden, I would achieve something like that. I mean, a lot of... If I would help Joe Biden, I would achieve something like, get out of here, guy. Okay, we'll leave it there. Um, it's only like a few more minutes long, but you guys got a sense of the idea of what they're talking about. Uh, kind of a mixed bag here. I definitely believe that in that group, there were a few plants. Uh, a few plants in that group. Yeah, there's that poor sack of crap. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I forgot to tell you. Be prepared. We will have swamp creatures in today's episode, okay? <laughs> There's going to be a lot more to come, all right? There's going to be a lot more to come. we got two more stories to go, and uh, and we'll wrap up the show, but we're, we're moving right along. Now, um, um, you know, it would have been an int- it would have been fun to have ended on actually uh, ended on the the people talking about how they support Trump, how they don't support Biden, um, because a lot more things are going to be coming out of this whole Afghanistan drawdown. Okay, now keep in mind, like you know, like that one lady said that um, the uh, the Afghan government was not included in the Dohan Agreement, which is totally false. We read it ourselves. We saw it there. They were both part of this agreement. The Taliban did not renege on that until once Biden was in office because it wasn't going to go their way anyways. Like there's nothing that Biden would have done to have supported them. But the question then remains, what is actually going on here? Okay. Because, because like I said, the deep state, they were still making plans in Afghanistan. Okay. And then it comes out that, uh, you know, uh, Biden's still going to do the troop removal, the troop withdrawal. And, and I'm sure people were like, what? And, you know, and, and Trump had it set up for like a May or something like that. And it went all the way now to September. Very symbolic. This is all going to tie into each other because again, we have this whole thing that's coming up. Remember DHS declares Patriot terrorist threat. And, you know, the caveat to this with the, with we Patriots or people who believe that, you know, there was fraud in 2020, are we people who resist the narrative of the COVID uh, pandemic or the efficacy of these vaccines, specifically about COVID, like uh, that we are terrorists? But what is the caveat to this whole thing? Somehow they draw that group of people to 9-11. They are formulating a narrative because perhaps come the anniversary of 9-11, they are going to try to attempt another false flag because you know that these guys have been trying to do false flags this whole time. I would say this whole with this whole collapse in Afghanistan is manufactured. This is manufactured. What's happening right now and including all of the media coverage and all the opinion is all manufactured. This is what they want to happen. Now, why you may ask? Well, ladies and gentlemen, Let's talk about the 25th Amendment, right? Because as we may recall, even President-select illegitimate Joe said, oh, I might come down with a sickness and then Kamala will be the president. And then Kamala looked at him like, why the hell did you say that, foo? Right? Okay, so this is part of the narrative. Aside from the fact that I've heard, and there's no receipts on this to say, but I've heard that there's warring, 
You know, there's there's fighting going on between the Biden faction and the Harris faction. And you got the people on Kamala's side trying to get Biden out. And supposedly the people on Biden's side are trying to keep her out. I, I honestly don't think that's the case. I honestly believe that they are working together and that they have totally sculpted and manufactured what we're seeing now. And, and what we're seeing now is for a fact that uh, Biden might be out. President Trump, as we read in the statement today at the head of the show, called for his resignation. Okay, President Trump said, you should resign. You should resign, Joe, because after all, you've handled everything like crap, like you've done nothing good, and you're making the country look bad. We just had a senator by the name of Rick Scott. That's the man right there. He said, and I quote, after the disastrous events in Afghanistan, we must confront a serious question. Is Joe Biden capable of discharging his duties uh, for the office or has the time come to exercise the provisions of the 25th Amendment? And got, you remember, guys, like the, the Democrats were setting up the 25th Amendment for a reason we thought it was for President Trump. And again, they did try and use that card. But could it be for a fact because they were going to play that card on illegitimate Joe? It could be possible. Why do we say that? Well, let's take a look at some of the headlines, guys. That's the Wall Street Journal. Saigon on steroids. The desperate rush to flee from Afghanistan. This is a narrative that's not being put out by the Patriot Independents. This is being put out by the globalist agencies of propaganda okay they're throwing joe biden under the bus and you know what something like the collapse of a country that america had uh had restored by its invasion of it is good enough of a reason right and then what are the other things that we're seeing we're seeing joe biden sitting in uh in his little defense bunker at some fort uh, by himself, looking lost, looking puzzled, looking like he's thinking about the world. And all the while, it's a fake picture. You know, why are they putting that narrative out there? What are they trying to sculpt? What do they have in plan for the end of this year that they are putting this out here now? Because let's take a look at some of the other. Now, here comes the swamp creatures, guys. Bear with me. We got a few clips here. When we're talking about the 25th Amendment and what other people are saying about their dear president, elect, select, illegitimate Joe. Here they come, guys. Hello, I'm Jake Tapper in Washington with the State of Our Union. Ah, this freezing up of the screen is getting on my nerves. Okay, hold on. Oh, it wants to think about itself now. Okay, hold on. Hello, I'm Jake Tapper in Washington, where the State of Our Union is watching a tragic foreign policy disaster unfold before our eyes. Weeks before the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and the deadline for President Biden's complete withdrawal of U.S. service members, the Taliban are laying waste to all the gains in that country. Having seized much of Afghanistan, the Taliban are now at the gates of the capital city of Kabul. The representatives are meeting with leadership inside the Afghan presidential palace. The rapid crumbling of the country has caught the Biden White House flat-footed on Saturday after pulling out almost all of the 2,500 service members there when he took office. 
President Biden said he would deploy more than more U.S. troops, 5,000 now total, for the limited mission of getting Americans and others fleeing safely out of Kabul, warning of a, quote, swift and strong U.S. response if the Taliban interfere. And with the constant thrum of helicopters overhead, sources tell CNN this morning that a total evacuation of Americans from our embassy in Kabul is well underway and should be completed by Tuesday. That is, of course, a sharp turnaround from six weeks ago when President Biden called it highly unlikely that the Taliban would overrun the country, an assessment that even at the time struck many experts in Biden's own administration as unrealistic. And now as American diplomats rush to shred embassy documents and escape, it seems shocking that President Biden could have been so wrong. Okay, example one, throwing him under the bus. Let's get the next one on. Where, and now where is CIA the president? Station you know, why, Dan why Hoffman, isn't he from... Speaker of the House, New Kingrich, both Fox News contributors, here? Mr. Speaker, there is a clear distinction. Shush. Oh, it's being tricky today. Come on, you darn UT, YT. Work with me here. Let me just refresh it. So yeah, we're gonna we're what we're looking at. Where right, where is the president? You know why why isn't he communicating wholesomely to the American people? And the president has been deeply engaged in all of the policy conversations and in this situation as it evolves in real time. We have uh, met with the president and his entire national security team uh, daily, often multiple times a day. That's going to continue uh, again today. Uh, the president has spoken to this issue a number of times in, in recent weeks. He, he has not looked, to John, totally different story than a few weeks ago, right? I mean, why isn't he out there now? Kabul fell yesterday. Where is the president? Uh, I mean, again, uh, Brianna, the president has spoken to this extensively, and I expect that he will speak to it again soon. Soon, in the coming days, should we hear something from him today? Do you expect that? It seems like the moment demands that. I I'm not going to get ahead of uh, both decision-making and announcements on this. All I can say at this point is that we expect the president again to address uh, the American people on Afghanistan, and as soon as we have more to say about that, we will. Okay, so... Okay, so that's one. Now, Indiana Senator... And we are not going to listen to that video. Okay, so let me go and close that before it plays the next one. Okay, and again, like we, ha what we're seeing here now is is Biden's own, well, not Biden's own, but the deep state, the uh, the liberal media, who propped up this man, they are now throwing him under the bus, okay, because they are setting up this narrative to take him down, to replace him with Kamala Harris, okay, that's what we're seeing, um, and 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 this whole thing that's happening in Afghanistan, like I said, you know could very well have been manufactured to be this way. They needed a way out for him. He hasn't kicked the bucket yet. So this could very well be that path. Joe forward. Biden is going to be the face of the failure of the withdrawal. He Jesus. Pardon me, sir. No me gusta este. Joe Biden is going to be the face of the failure of the withdrawal. He is 
the president right now as this is happening. And just a few weeks ago, just a little over a month ago on July 8th, when he defended the decision in Afghanistan, he talked about how, and I'll quote from him here, there's going to be no circumstance where you see people lifted off the roof of an embassy in the United States from Afghanistan. But we are seeing scenes like that play out in Afghanistan right now. Terrible footage coming from the airports of hundreds of Afghan citizens trying to cling to jet American jets as they're taking off, mm. including extremely disturbing footage this morning about some people after the planes take off, falling from the planes back to the tarmac, uh, back to the streets below. Really difficult to watch. Okay, that's another one. Just examples of the media throwing their own under the bus. Let me just go ahead and refresh this before it freezes up on me. This is also, this happened under President Biden. He changed the deadline from May 1st to September 11th. So he already was able to change deadlines. Secondly, we should hold him accountable for his leadership during this time, which has frankly been an utter failure. This, what we are seeing on the ground right now should have been done differently. And there is only one person to hold responsible and that is President Biden. Well, I don't know if that was about. Okay, I don't care about what those tweets say. Um, let me see, then you go out one more. Okay, here's one more. Matt Zeller, exactly two weeks ago, you appeared on this program and you explained how your own life was saved by an Afghan interpreter uh, when you were serving in Afghanistan. And you called on the Biden administration to airlift the remaining Afghan interpreters and their families out. And you said if they stayed, it would be a death sentence. Those words, I think, were, were tragically prescient. Uh, what have you been hearing from people who are now trapped there in the country? They feel absolutely betrayed and they should. We've left them there to die. I can't stand what Jake Sullivan said this morning. I, why does he still have a job at this point? These people need to be evacuated. I don't care if the president had bad choices. We told him that this was going to happen months ago. The Association of Wartime Allies, Human Rights First, Veterans for American Ideals, the International Refugee Assistance Project, the Truman Project, Iraq and Afghan Veterans of America, IAVA, we all told them as far back as April that this was going to happen and that they needed to start evacuating our Afghan wartime allies when we still had the troops and personnel in place and the country had not yet collapsed to the Taliban. This is worse. You know, the Secretary of State goes on TV this morning and says that this is not a new Saigon. He's right. It's worse. It's worse than Saigon. In Saigon, we got 130,000 people out in a week. We've been trying to conduct an Afghan evacuation now for the better part of a month, and we barely moved 2,500 people. I, I, they need to take full responsibility for their failure to evacuate our Afghan wartime allies. They had more than enough time. They were warned that this was going to happen. This failure is as much of ours as it is as a Taliban victory. All right, guys. So that's some some of that up there for y'all. Okay, so they are throwing their own under the bus. Okay, as we're seeing now, this is again to me this is a setup for the narrative that they are trying to push forward. Now, here's the part where Kamala comes in, and yes, I'm seeing you guys' comments. Yes, this has to do with September 11th. Also, check this out. Bam. Headlines from Politico back in April. Politico had this article. 
Harris says she had a key role in Biden's Afghanistan withdrawal decision. Okay, look at all of the pressure and all of the flack that they're throwing on Biden. Now, like I said, if this is manufactured and they're trying to put Harris into power, don't you think that this might have something to do with that? Okay, now this came from a this headline comes from an interview that uh, Harris was featured on with Dana Bash. Okay, and we're going to watch that piece right now. Hopefully it plays so you can see where she's taking credit for what is happening now in Afghanistan. Okay. Essential things that everyone needs to live. Come on, video, work with me. I think I just had it on pause for too long. Nine minutes and 29 seconds, right? We all right, watch that video many of us watch it. Shut up, come on. That everyone needs to live, of course they're going to flee, and that's what we're saying. President Biden always said that he wants you to be the last person in yeah. the room, particularly for big decisions, just as he was for President yeah. Obama. He just made a really big decision. Afghanistan. Yes. Were you the last person in the room? Yes. And you feel comfortable? I do. And and I and I'm going to add to that. Um, I'm a man. <laughs> this is a president who has an extraordinary amount of courage. He is someone who I have seen over and over again make decisions based on what he truly believes, based on his years of doing this work and studying these issues, what he truly believes is the right thing to do. And I'm going to tell you something about him. He is acutely aware that it may not be politically popular or advantageous for him personally. It won't be advantageous for him personally to allow Afghanistan to collapse so that he can get booted out for the 25th Amendment and they install Kamala Harris. Is this going to happen? I don't know. I'm speculating, but I'm putting it out there, guys. Personally, it's really something to see. And I, and I wish that the American public could see sometimes what I see. Because ultimately, and the decision always rests with him, but I have seen him over and over again make decisions based exactly on what he believes is right regardless of what maybe the political people tell him is in his best um, selfish interest. Right. So uh, basically what she's saying is uh, what they see is right being his handlers, not him. His handlers are the ones uh, and he might look like crap, but at least he's going to still hold the fort down with his handlers and his deep state operators. Okay, guys. So there we go. That's where I believe that this 25th amendment might start to come into play. Okay, so this is all centered in Afghanistan. We have the 25th Amendment coming into play. Quite possibly, we have people calling for it. And then we have the people who are supposedly on his team throwing him under the bus. Okay, not the Republicans, not the conservatives, CNN, MSNBC. They are the ones, okay? Kamala has just admitted to being one of the direct... Uh, uh, administrators of this plan, okay? Like, she helped shape it, all right? So that's one of the focus of this whole collapse of Af Af Afghanistan. And the next focus that we're talking about with this collapse of Afghanistan is getting all of these Afghani refugees into America before Americans. America is not going to come first on this one, right? Like, they're going to get Afghani refugees in here as many as they can. Okay, we, we couldn't help Cuba, 
we couldn't help Cuba, but we're going to help Afghanistan because, again, this is manufactured by the deep state. This is what they want to happen. This is why Kamala was the last one in the room, because the deep state was expecting, you know, illegitimate Joe to be like, we're not going to do this. This is a Trump deal. We're not going to have troop withdrawal. We're going to keep our people in Afghanistan. So they were making their plans a deep state. But then Kamala comes in here and she's like, hey, Joe, maybe you should. Maybe you should do a withdrawal. But let's do it this way. Okay. And then it collapses. Okay. And this is how they're going to get him out. And maybe it's not, but you know, it's fun speculation, right? I mean, it's collapsing either way. It could very well happen. But keep in mind, Biden's been hiding, Saki's on vacation, and no one knows where the hell, what the hell Harris is. Where is what the hell Harris? Where is she? Where is he? <laughs> Nobody knows. Anyways, okay, so here's the next thing. And here's the tie-in, guys. Here's the tie-in. They're gonna, there's no telling how many of these refugees coming over here will be planted terrorists. Planted terrorists. Why is this important? He has his withdrawal set for September 11th. We have the anniversary 20 years of September 11th. And we have this, the talk of the town for the weekend, right? This was the talk of the town. Patriots are now a potential terror threat. Okay, and somehow this has to do with 9-11, right? Like, has something to do with 9-11. We don't know what it does, but according to this headline right here, this is what it says. National terrorism alert ahead of 9-11 20th anniversary. Do you see them sewing the tapestry of this narrative together? Take all of the information and the current events that we covered here tonight. And do you see the story, narrative, brainwashing propaganda that they are putting into the subconscious minds of everyone who watches their crap? Okay, here we go. National terrorism alert ahead of 9-11 20th anniversary. Somehow on the anniversary of 9-11, the people who are going to be the terrorists will be those who are opposition to COVID measures. People who do not believe in the efficacy of vaccines, people who do not believe that we should be masked, people who don't even, people who understand that there's only, there's a 99.985% that you will survive if you get COVID. Somehow because of 9-11, you are a terrorist, okay? Because you believe that the 2020 election was a fraud, because you believe that there is a possibility that President Trump may be reinstated. On 2020, the 20th anniversary of 9-11, you might be a terrorist because you believe in honoring the anniversary of 9-11 and because you celebrate religious holidays. Somehow, on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, you will be a terrorist. Why are they putting this jargon out there? And at the same time, going to bring in thousands of Afghani refugees who probably will have terrorist cells within those groups that will perform these terrorist false flags and then they will blame it on patriots they're setting up a narrative ladies and gentlemen this is what i see i don't have a crystal ball but I, this is just this is what's speaking to me right now because with people were talking about this weekend we saw that the the department of homeland security put this out and people were like well what's going to happen what are they going to do you know for me this is set up for a false flag 
This is set up for a false flag. So on the anniversary of 9-11, through their terrorist groups who have been implanted into these refugees from Afghanistan, can come in and do their false flag, and they can blame it on Americans. But wait! There's more, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I don't know if you guys caught any of this. Oh, well, first, first, let's see. They have a narrative for it, guys. They have a narrative for it. It's already out there on the news. I don't know if you guys saw this, but let's listen to it. Night Security has issued a new terrorism advisory aimed uh, amid, excuse me, what the department calls a heightened threat landscape across the United States. NBC's Pete Williams, Pete Williams joins us uh, with an update on that. Pete, thanks uh, for joining us. What more can you tell us about this advisory and perhaps what prompted it? So it's important to know that this is not based on any threats. This is based on analysis of the... It's not based on a threat. There's no patriot out there who's threatening to do anything. But it's based on analysis, ladies and gentlemen. It's based on analysis. They're setting up a story. They're creating a narrative. And they're making us the fall guys. The threat picture, not on any imminent warning that something could happen here. The last of these... Uh, terrorism advisories was issued in May and it expired today. So this is really, in essence, a renewal and update of it. Homeland Security says there are several concerning factors. There's continuing grievances over COVID restrictions, which has stirred up a lot of opposition. There's the continuing efforts by foreign influencers to try to stir up trouble in the U.S. There's the coming 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks with al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula now once again sort of firing up its propaganda machine. And there are approaching religious holidays and the opening of school and the possibility of school shootings. So for all those reasons... Do you see that they just told us everything that they are planning to do? The opening of school, the possibility of school uh, shootings, al-Qaeda or the CIA ramping up propaganda in Arabian Peninsula? Like, they give you their entire plan if you pay attention to it like he just spilled it out religious holidays coming up there could be shootings schools opening there could be shootings propaganda by the cia like they are telling you everything dhs says this is the terror threat picture that we face but again it's not and somehow it's going to be patriots it's somehow all of this crap there's going to be a school shooting because uh you believe that president trump can be reinstated there's going to be a there's going to be a religious holiday shooting because you think that we should not wear masks. It, oh my goodness! Like it's it. Not a warning that there's attacks that they know of. It's more of here's the threat picture. That's why we're continuing this advisory. Here's the story that we want you to believe, and this is the reason why we're, we're telling Carvana. you. Shut up, Carvana. We're not going to promote you. <laughs> Give me a free car and I will promote you. Okay, now here's another one. Go figure, right? No, we, we could probably see this one coming. Adam Kissinger, right? The rhino who voted to impeach President Trump. Okay, goes on uh, goes on crack pipe lips Cooper's show, all right, to talk about the, the, the threat, the threat that DHS, and, and it's going to be again, it's going to be again surrounding 9-11. They're painting the picture. This is the narrative they're implanting into the subconscious minds of all of my Twitch users. Just kidding if you're still there, Deplora Laura. But everyone else who's on Twitch is kind of like, they don't got a clue. It's now Congressman Adam Kinziger, one of two Republican members of the Hesla Committee on the 6th of January. Congressman, appreciate you being with us. Um, as someone who's investigating the insurrection in hopes of obviously preventing something like this from ever happening again, are you concerned by these reports from DHS and others? 
Yeah, it's, it's concerning because, you know, on January 5th, we never imagined that January 6th to the level it did would happen, even though a lot of us predicted violence up to that day. That's the new floor now. And so when you look at online rhetoric and you look at chatter that's happening and you look at, you know, maybe 100 people post insane comments like bring out the gallows, even if only two of those out of the 100 are serious, that leads to violence. I, I think what the biggest concern is, is all this talk, a lot of times just, you know, people trying to sound tough on the Internet, but that ends up kind of feeding itself. And particularly when people start brainwashing folks with the election was stolen. Look at what all these patriotic people did in the 1700s. This is the same thing. The mask mandate is basically the equivalent of not allowing you to practice your religion, you know, which is uh, 1776, taxation without representation. Ultimately, that does grow into action, and it's a real concern. It, the DHS intelligence chief is saying that the increasing calls for violence are linked to conspiracy theories, false narratives. The fact that so many people, you know, in the Republican Party, I got to say, including the former president, are still pushing the big lie and these conspiracy theories, you know, the fact that there's a former president of the United States still pushing this stuff, it does make it all the more concerning. I mean, it gives it a legitimacy it otherwise would not have. Yeah, it absolutely does, because in the past, when you hear, you know, in the 90s, it was the UN black helicopters, and, you know, you always have eras of conspiracies, but they were never given oxygen by people in authority. When you have somebody in authority then that comes up, and even if they don't directly say, now obviously the foreign president constantly says the election was stolen, but maybe if he doesn't directly, for instance, parrot what QAnon has been saying, there's little kind of winks and nods to it, or there's no disavowing of that. And that ends up when somebody with authority speaks conspiracy, or when somebody with authority speaks that dark part in everybody's heart that we always have to fight against, the desire to hate, the desire to divide, it gives permission to let that overtake you. And we can't be surprised when that happens to the large scale like we saw on January 6th and like we're concerned about in the future. Um, I really want to talk about Afghanistan. The situation, obviously, more dire by the day. Uh, I mean, for anybody who thought, you know, the, I know, you know, the, former, the, the current president, you know, said in July, well, he didn't think, I'm paraphrasing, that, you know, the whole country was going to fall very quickly. Well, it, it, it is falling very fast. Kabul is still holding... Uh, as someone who served there with the Air Force, what do you think of what is going on and what the implications of it are? Well, it's entirely foreseeable. Uh, it's entirely tragic. I get that, you know, now people are talking about the polls that say, you know, the American people support the exit. Let's keep in mind the American people supported the exit from Iraq until ISIS rose up. And then the American people strongly supported the intervention against ISIS. Leadership, especially at this level, is about leading, particularly on foreign policy issues. I, I didn't see a lot of Americans on the street demanding the exit from Afghanistan, but of course, if you ask them, they're going to say, yeah, we should leave. But we had gotten to a point where mere 2,500 U.S. troops were stiffening the backbone with air support, logistics support, all this. I mean, we have, we have great allies in Europe that are incapable of providing their own air support, for goodness sake. So that's a minimal thing we can do to stiffen the spine. This was entirely foreseeable. And beyond, you know, judging the decision to leave, which I think is a disastrous decision, we had nothing in place and have nothing in place for the evacuation of the 30,000 Afghan residents who, who put their life on the line, were promised a visa if they worked with us as translators and, and people in those kinds of things. 
and they are stuck in Afghanistan now. And you can't, how are you going to evacuate them when all the major supply routes, when all of the areas controlled by the Taliban now? It's a tragedy, and it's a tragedy that was entirely preventable. We've also seen now already images, and we'll see more as more bases are taken over by the Taliban, of you know rows and rows of up armored Humvees and. You know, I saw some drones uh, out there uh, that have been now taken, things that were just left behind or left, I guess, for the Afghan National Army. And I don't know if it was because the U.S. pulled out so quickly or because they thought the Army could hold and they should have this equipment. But you now have, I mean, we've seen this play out so many times in the past in different, over different decades, uh, and it's playing out again. And as you said, it's, you know, we have seen this before. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, first off, any of that equipment we can get a beat on from the air, we should destroy. Uh, but keep in mind, we have no observers on the ground at this moment, so it's very hard to know what you're accurately targeting. It's not like in the movies. Um, but secondarily, again, if you're even U.S. ground forces and you're fighting in a battle, we desire, demand, and need air support and artillery support. And we need communications and we need logistics and we need the ability to, to, to call for medevac. We pulled all of that out when we left Afghanistan. That was the linchpin we were provided. And even the Afghan Air Force, which was becoming more and more capable, they required U.S. contractors to keep these planes flying. The contractors were the first to leave. And so now to expect the Afghan army, who had been fighting heroically to this point, I mean, keep in mind the vast majority of casualties, you know, dozens a week were by the Afghan army. That all right, shut up, Adam. Okay, all right, we're done with him. Okay, yeah, uh, okay. Anyways, hey, Gary... I appreciate your uh, optimism and your faith, you know, because, yeah, you're right. This is stuff that may not happen. And, you know, and I'm actually a chief believer that if you speak something, if you speak truth to power and you put it in the light, it falls apart. Okay. But this is just kind of an analysis. This is the way my mind works when I'm thinking about this drawdown in Afghanistan, this move to put Kamala Harris into the office. And yes, 9-11 is, was the withdrawal date that was set up for the Afghanistan troops through President uh, Select Biden. Very symbolic, right? The symbology will be their downfall. But then you also have the news touting off that there is going to be a terrorist attack because of the 9-11 anniversary. It's not a coincidence that you have a drawdown date and you have the 9-11 anniversary, now a terrorist threat that's being pinned on patriots. So I'm not saying this is going to happen. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not looking to the future. I'm not saying set the date. I'm not that kind of guy. But, you know, but, you know, the optimism and the faith that you have is something that we also do need to have because that also combats aside from putting the truth into the light. So it diffuses the dark side's power over their dominion on the events. We also need people who have that. It's yeah, it's a theory. Thank you, guys. Like, this is just what I'm saying. This is what I see. This is something that I can speculate could be a possibility based on, you know, my own types of research and, and analysis throughout the years. And when you look at the stuff that they do, they set this stuff up for the people and they put it on the news, you know, guys. So I appreciate y'all's guys, uh, y'all guys, uh, y'all's commentary out there in the chat rooms. Uh, all of it's very valid, guys. Everything that everyone is saying in the chats is very valid. And I'm just saying that when I saw all of this and it just it, that just kind of formulated, it makes sense to me 
that if they have they have this withdrawal date in September 11th, they have the news talking about that, that it very well could be one of their plans. And hopefully by espousing that on this broadcast with you all, and then some of you guys holding on to that faith that they will take this down. Because obviously, guys, if I'm saying it, say this is like a real, say this is a real scenario. If a simple layman like me can say this on the air, obviously America is ahead of it, right? But we should be aware that this could be a plan. Anyways, guys, so I appreciate y'all taking, uh, a, a, you know, take uh, the huge, you know, you know, humoring me on this. Okay, now let's get into the last part of this, guys. This is the last part of it. And we'll wrap up the C show because I don't know if you guys caught this, right? Like we have this DHS warning coming out against Americans. And uh, what are they going to do with all of us? What are they going to do with the 80 million Americans who voted for Trump? What are we going to do with the people who believe that we shouldn't wear masks? What are they going to do with the people who think that Trump can be reinstated and we can turn over the entire thing? What are they going to do? I'll tell you what they're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, because this came out and I don't know if you guys caught this or not. This is from the National Guard. Okay. Posted on August 7th, they are hiring for internment and resettlement specialists, part-time only, okay, from the National Guard, guys. Like, so do you think that they, what are they going to do? Lock us up? They're going to treat us like the January 6th people? No, they have resettlement camps planned. For the, why would they have this posted, guys? Check it out. It takes a highly organized individuals to ensure day-to-day -day operations run smoothly in any environment. As an internment resettlement specialist for the Army National Guard, you will utilize your organizational skills to make this happen in military confinement, correctional detention, or internment facilities. Okay? Here's another one. Job duties. Supervision of confinement and detention operations, external security of facilities, providing counseling and guidance to individual prisoners within a rehabilitative program, maintaining records of prisoners and internees and their programs, some skills you'll learn, military laws and jurisdictions, self-defense and use of firearms, interpersonal communication skills, search restraint and custody control procedures, interest in law enforcement, oh, helpful skills, interest in law enforcement, physically and mentally fit, ability to make quick decisions, ability to remain calm under heavy duress. Through your training, you'll develop the skills and experience to enjoy a civilian career with federal, state, and local law enforcement. Finally, internment. Uh, this is on this is on indeed.com, guys. You want to get a job, go to indeed.com. Internment resettlement specialist, US Army, Army Reserves. $30,000 to $75,000 a year. You guys want me to go apply for this and be like a mole? I'll go do it. Okay, easily apply. Responsive employer, supervision of confinement and detention operations, counseling guidance to individual prisoners within a rehabilitative program. Do you guys believe that this is going to be for the refugees they're bringing from Afghanistan? Do y'all think that? Because uh, it kind of sounds like to me that this is going to be set up for people. And I'm not being a fear monger, guys. You know I am an eternal optimist. All right. But if there is a tornado coming to your house, I'm going to call you up and be like, hey, girl, you in danger. All right. So, so, like, I'm just saying, why would they be putting this out? This is August 7th is when this came out. 
And then they're putting out this DHS stuff where people who believe in in Trump being reinstated and they believe if you don't believe in the max mask or the vax, why would this? I'm just I'm just, you know, reading between the lines, guys. This may not be true. Maybe they're going to maybe they're going to bust all of the uh, deep staters. Right. They're going to they're going to arrest everyone in Washington, D.C. They're going to arrest all of the pedophiles in Hollywood. They're going to arrest all the businessmen who've been doing treasonous deals. And that's what this internment resettlement um, camp is for. I don't know, guys. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think based on everything that I've shown you today and then based on all the inaction that's happened on the rest of the group that I just told you guys about? I don't know, guys. You 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 tell me what you think, but that's just kind of what I see happening. And all of this is circling around Afghanistan somehow. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, it's just some information I thought you should know. Something to chew, some fat to chew on, you know, just uh, just some thoughts uh, to to take you into the evening. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. We will see what happens. Uh, but in the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up the show for tonight. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the C Report for this Monday afternoon. And uh, most definitely, thank you for uh, for hanging in there and and uh, and, uh, and engaging in the chat. I love you all. I love you guys. I love that we can have a great chat in there and not uh, just just guys. Don't step on Gary's toes. You can stomp his heel if you want. No, just kidding. Just kidding, Gary. I love you. No. <laughs> uh, thank you for the gold pill donations as well. I just got an amber alert. What's it say? Alert. Carlos Chinchia Vasquez, fifteen year old. From North Carolina. Well, may God be with him. Uh, <laughs> Gary, we don't have guests on the Sea Report. We have them on Mr. C in the Dark. You're welcome to join us on Friday or Saturday. I don't have a lineup right now. Let me release the lotto tickets before we head out. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you for the gold pill donations. Our cloaked and seen just dropped a can. Thank you so much. Uh, let me see what else we got here. Sean Joe dropping a cookie. I'm going to read through what I can before we sign out for the night. Uh, Nat Hendy dropping 10, 11 gold pills. Thank you so much for your support of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. I had a good time. Uh, and again, uh, everyone, y'all have a great night. I released the lotto ticket. Let me make sure you guys are getting that before I, I log out for the night. Okay. I guess I just released it now. Okay. There we go. There goes my lotto ticket winners. All right, guys, you... <laughs> There, Gary, <laughs> thank you, sir. I appreciate the passion. We'll see what we can do about it. I'm sure I need to know about it, but why don't you hit me up on Discord and share it with me there, and then maybe I can share it on the show tomorrow. Until then, guys, you have a great night. We will see you again tomorrow, same place, same time, 7.30 p.m. Central. And uh, enjoy your evening, y'all. Enjoy your evening. <laughs>